Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train, America's second favorite podcast, where we bring the dark to light, where history never dies, and where listener discretion is always advised. We make fun of a joke about the creepy and unsolved mysteries of the world, all while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. Yes, we are a comedy podcast, and things can get pretty dark. So listen, if you're not into it, we get it, we understand but we, you know, still just give it a chance. Give it a chance. See what happens, you know. And, uh, you know, no hard feelings if you don't. But if you are and you're even back again because you're like, whoa. Well, hey, thanks for being here. And for you new newbies out there, welcome aboard. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. And with me today, well, actually, it's a returning guest from a long time ago. And if you listen to our uh, Patreon, then you'll probably recognize the voice. It is the one, the only, my wife, my wife, very nice, <laughs> it's Grace. Hi, guys. Howdy, howdy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this one. Well, of all people to do this episode with me, it would be you, and I'll explain after we get when we get started here. Okay. Okay. So listen, we, uh, we just finished up over a Patreon for all of you first class passengers uh, for we did the three part series on the uh, the trucker killers. And uh, we had uh, Chainsaw on there as a guest. Oh. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, we did three parts. That's just how many it's there crazy. were, you know. So if you want to check that out, as well as all of the other bonus content and support the show, listen, do us a favor, jump on over to our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast. Or you can go to our official website, the Midnight Train. <laughs> well, that's a good start. <laughs> the Midnight the Midnight Train Podcast.com. And you can click on it over there and you can look in there and you can get your name. You know, um, we'll say your name at the end of the show and your name goes on the website. And not only that, but you get our our everlasting love and, and loyalty to you. We'll fight for you. All right. Just call us and Logan will be there. <laughs> I don't know, right? No. Uh, anyway, so we'll save the rest of the business stuff until the end. So let's get into it. Let's turn down the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink, which we were drinking some wine tonight. Ooh, the wifey and I drinking some Josh. Yes. <laughs> I don't like the fact that it's a guy's name. That's weird. Why? Because I'm, I'm drinking name, Josh. I don't know. Just, it w- would it be better if it was like Jolene? Jolene, Jolene. Would you feel better that you were drinking Jolene? Actually, I'm okay either way. Mm. It's very good. So anyway, let's just, uh, you know, what are we going to get? We're going to get nautical, I guess you'd say. We are going to get nautical. Or, Or I'm just, this is a horrifying episode for me. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. Is it? Is that from the Cool Whips? It's the Cool Whips. Oh boy! I have not heard this song in a long time. It's so good. <laughs> oh, they know. They okay. know. You guys know. That's how we get hyped up. It's our hype song. That's right. 
switch it up every now and then. Yeah. And since this is like my song, I don't have to worry about, you know, getting in trouble from the interwebs. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this episode, oh boy, there was many times that I was just like, <laughs> really? So, so yeah. So so going this into this excites me. Yeah, that, me being sick is that excites you? No this this episode. Oh. I've I've been talking about this for many years. Really? Yes. Well, uh, just to preface again, not only are you my betrothed and my PIC. But you are also the person that uh, subjected me to one of the worst moments of my entire life by, by taking me on a cruise that I just was sick the entire time. And people were throwing up over the balcony. D- don't, don't, you know it was okay. bad. <laughs> don't you say it wasn't bad. Listen, going to the Caribbean and stuff, I got to... Uh, um, and, and I'm deathly afraid of water, as, as most of you, if you're a returning listener. I, I absolutely hate it. I hate boats. I hate water. But I did get to swim with a dolphin. That was fun. Multiple dolphins. Yes. And they are huge and scary as shit. I was actually so excited to swim with the dolphins until I was with them and they were like... Ginormous. Under the water. Oh, yeah. And you're like... You can't see him. <laughs> where did they go and where are they coming up at? Yeah. And then they come up and they're like... Yeah, doing that whole yeah. thing and their it mouth was, is huge it was scary and they're like grab your grab their fins man yeah. dance around i'm like floating with a life jacket on like trying not to die and, and they're the animal that does the dirty with the you know the... yes they 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 tend to yeah they... so then you think about all those things and you're in the water with them and i mean i know they've saved people before they're, they're super smart and they're badasses yeah, too. Super smart. But they're also very they horny. They kill sharks. Yeah. They're really horny. And they blow up puffer fish just to get high off of them. Really? <laughs> I did not know that. They're smart as shit, dude. It's crazy. Is it like one group that does it to all the puffer fish? No, they'll just go over to them and do this like, like little thing to them or whatever. Stoner and then, dolphins? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I guess. Maybe. Why not? Maybe they're the, the aliens, the true people who own this great place we're at dolphins yeah does he look like a dolphin <laughs> anyway it, if you guys could actually physically see what i'm looking at right now oh yeah it's it, fun. it was very it's epic yeah it's yes. as fuck yes but we're not talking about dolphins right however okay so according to the maritime inquiry guide Approximately 400 people have gone missing from cruise ships in the past 20 years. Ugh, I love it. Yeah. You'd love, huh, what? That would be the way I would get rid of someone. I've told you this. So oh, I know. Times. You said it in front of the freaking travel agent. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. I told you guys if something happens to me, you know where to look. Well, now I can't do it because yeah, you, the cat's out of the bag. The cat's out of the bag. But it is a good idea. So while this is no cause for general alarm, it's still a scary and concerning statistic. And the reason that it's not a general, like, it's nothing to be really afraid about or afraid of is because um, approximately 30 million people take cruise ship vacations on a yearly basis. And only 420 years. In the 20 years, yeah. So it's not a lot. It's not a lot. And that's also back in the day, too, when they didn't have the real high um, railings and stuff that you couldn't, like, whatever. People, like, just would go and get drunk and just be like, ah. And That's just, the way I'd get rid of a body. Oh, boy. How are you going to get rid of a... <laughs> anyway, get you're going to incriminate yourself. And fall off the ledge. You guys heard this. You guys heard it. 
So there are several potential reasons people disappear on cruise ships. Okay, One common reason is falling overboard, which can happen if someone accidentally falls or intentionally jumps from the boat. Or gets pushed. Okay. Another is suicide. Yes. As the uh, you know the stress and isolation of a cruise ship environment can sometimes lead to this tragic outcome. Really? Oh yeah, people. Well, if you're, they're saying like people that are like working on oh. cruise ships or whatever. You know, like you might just flip your shit and be like, I'm done. And we, we will actually talk about one okay, of those. I'm interrupting. I'm potential sorry. cases. No, no, no. We'll talk about it. No, you're, that's why you're here to talk. Finally, disappearances also occur during port visits. In all these situations, the person's oh, whereabouts, yeah. yeah, like going to port. Yeah, somebody snatches someone up or they get drunk and get lost. Well, remember, Alyssa like took off on her own. Yeah. Our daughter, we land in, I don't know where the hell we were. Oh. Some island. Anyway, yeah. we couldn't find her. She went off on her own. And we're like, uh, little blonde haired, blue eyed little girl. She was 17 at the time. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she was probably hiding somewhere from us. She was just, well, (laughs) not a lot's changed. Anyway, (laughs) so uh, going to the port, right? So in these situations, the person's whereabouts and well-being are unknown. Therefore, it is up to the ship's crew and authorities to investigate and locate the missing individual. And that's all from the Maritime Inquiry Guide. Okay. So it's basically their protocol. If that makes sense. Okay. So now let's talk about some security regulations for cruise ship disappearances. And, and, and I know that we were saying that only like 400 in the past 20 years doesn't sound like a lot when you look at the scheme of things, but it's still something that is, it's huge when it comes to people that have, you know, that have lost loved ones. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's loss. There's stuff oh. all over. There's actually a website that I will refer to quite a few times during this entire uh, episode. So uh, let's see uh, the cruise line, a uh, cruise lines international association or the CLIA issued a Cruise Industry Passenger Bill of Rights in 2013, outlining CLIA members' commitment to passenger safety, comfort, and care. The bill, which was inspired by cases such as uh, Mr. Smith, and we'll talk about him, includes the right to disembark from a docked ship if uh, provisions are insufficient. Am I doing the triangle thing? Is that what you're laughing at? No, I was actually really laughing because what's the name of the team? What team? Oh, the the association, whatever. The The CLIA? What does it stand for? The Cruise Lines International Association. Too bad it wasn't Cruise Line International Team. (laughs) The clit? Really? (laughs) Why? No one would ever be able to find it. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Well, women need to be in control of that because if it was for men. Yeah, right. Okay. So um, it includes the right to disembark again if, you know, provisions are insufficient, access to professional medical care is lacking, and proper training of ship crew in emergency procedures is not adequate. So people can actually be like, I'm done with this and bounce off. Uh, So the same year, uh, 2013, Senator Jay Rockefeller introduced the Cruise Passenger Protection Act, which requires the cruising uh, cruising industry to provide critical consumer protections for passengers. Among other things, the bill gives the federal government more authority to protect cruise ship passengers, allows passengers to call a toll-free number to report problems while on board, and makes uh, all cruise ship crime-related information public. Yeah, that's got to be tricky because a lot of these cruises are going to different countries. International waters. International. So basically... Whose rules? Well, what it used to be before this whole thing happened, and it still kind of is, there's like a real weird line, and we'll talk a little bit about it, is that wherever... 
that ship is registered, that's the country who is in basically in charge of anything that happens. At Which least was. Kind of is like, so you don't need a passport if you're going from the United States out of the United States and back into the United States. So I guess that makes sense that they're in charge of you. Yeah, but then you happen to go to some, you know, I don't know, some country that doesn't really have the most strict laws and then something happens to someone and then it's now up to their government to do something about it. So a lot of these places are islands, though. Correct. Don't you think that if it became a habit that you just wouldn't take your cruise? These places aren't like real huge places other than like the Bahamas. Some of these ports are like cruise line ports. Yeah, they're tiny. So the only industry that is coming to this country or island or whatever is those people who are spending money. Right. So you would think that their government would be strict on not making but, sure that But if something were to happens. come out and it was something nefarious making that that line and or the you know the oh, their source of income making them look bad, they may not be the most fortuitous in trying to solve said problems. That's the right. the general synopsis of it. So So additionally, the act mandates the Department of Transportation appoint an advocate for each passenger who has been a victim of a cruise ship crime. Okay, so they actually have their own person there to help them out and kind of, you know, mediate between. So the 2010 Cruise Vessel Security and Safety Act, or the CVSSA, protects both crew and passengers. The bill requires the FBI, the U.S. Coast Guard, and the Maritime Administration to follow standards for crime prevention, detection, evidence preservation, and reporting of criminal activities in the international maritime environment. Some measures to prevent disappearance, um, deadly injuries, and criminal events include the implementation of peepholes in cabins for visual identification. Ooh, I didn't even think about peepholes. Yep. Security latches, warning devices when cruising under turbulence in high-risk areas, High ship rails above the deck, like I just was saying earlier, you know what I mean? Having having them higher Mm -hmm. so you can't just jump over it. And technology to record and detect immediately if a person falls overboard. So wait, peepholes was the first one? Correct. Because that's the number one thing that happens that people report. It's like the... Well, they're saying, like, if you go to answer your, your cabin door and you can't see out to see who it is, like at a hotel... Right. So back, you know, before this whole thing happened, they didn't have those. So if somebody opened that door, it could be anybody. Don't people put like cameras on peoples and things and they can record you getting dressed and I don't know. I don't think so. It's like a revert. It's like a, it's made to be like one way, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, you can see like vaguely. I don't know. I've never been a peephole peeper. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. You've been a pooper, not a peeper. Correctly. Okay. Yes. Yes. So cruise lines that violate the CVSSA standards are barred from leaving or entering any port in the United States, and the responsible individual can be fined and may be sentenced to up to a year in prison. One. So it's pretty, it's pretty, well, yeah, I mean, that could be anything, though. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not doing your job and somebody gets hurt, I mean, first of all, you're going to screw up the, the, the chance of, you know, a foreign, I guess you'd say, um, cruise ship coming to the United States where a ton of people would be normally boarding you know right so all right so the first disappearance here some of these are super crazy uh this is amy lynn bradley okay on march 21st of 1998 23 year old amy lynn bradley 
and her family boarded a Royal Caribbean International cruise ship to Caraco or Carousel. Carousel. Oh, yeah, that's where the the liqueur comes yeah. from. I said Caraco. <laughs> well, it looks like it's a, well, no, it says Carousel. Carousel, so, Caraco. There's like different. Yeah, I'm pretty ways sure it's people. Carousel though, because it's got the C's got that weird little thing on the bottom of it. So okay. So Amy had big plans to start a new computer consulting job after graduating from university, and this family trip was meant to be a vacation to celebrate her achievements and her bright future. Two days later, Amy and her younger brother Brad went to a party at the ship's nightclub. They stayed out late, dancing and drinking with the ship's band, uh, who were called Blue Orchid. Finally, Brad returned, uh, her brother returned to the family cabin around 3.35 a.m., and uh, recorded by the ship's computerized door lock system. Okay, so they can actually tell Ooh. when he went back there because he has an ID card. Right. Uh, five minutes later, Amy came back, and Brad claims that you know he he and his sister actually just sat on the balcony just talking before they went to bed. At six a.m. the following morning, or I guess you'd say later that morning, depending on what time they got back. Um, well, yeah, we said three thirty-five. So six uh, six a.m. Their dad, his name's Ron, went out to the balcony where um, Amy was actually sleeping out by the balcony. Okay. And, uh, but Amy was not there. Okay. So Ron had uh, actually woke up, uh, right around, uh, between 515 and 530. And he saw Amy kind of, what he thought was sleeping in a lounge chair. And he, uh, actually told papers later on that, um, he saw her from just the hips down. Okay. You know, basically right. whatever, you know, yeah. there's something blocking his, his view and that the door to the uh, balcony was actually closed. But now 45 minutes later, she just vanished with her cigarettes and lighter. So according to her dad, Ron here, it wasn't like Amy to go anywhere without telling someone where she was going and what her plans were. Okay. She's a good kid, right? Or good young adult. Either. So a bit nervous and perplexed, Ron searched the ship's common areas before waking the rest of the family up at 6.30 a.m. and informing them of his daughter's disappearance. The family went straight out and reported her missing to the ship's staff. The Bradleys begged the staff to announce Amy's disappearance and keep all 2,000 passengers from leaving the ship until Amy was found. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think they did that? No. No, they More did not. Likely not. So is this a balcony that everyone's connected? It probably, like, what we were on, you know what I mean, where it's kind of, like, connected over to another one or whatever, you know. Yeah, like, but those have locks on them. Right. Yeah, well, I'm, Maybe I'm, they didn't have I've, locks on them? Well, it may have still had a lock on it. So you think like maybe a neighbor grabbed her and then killed her and threw her (laughs) Oh, just wait. So yeah, the the crew actually refused. They said it was too soon to make an announcement. They didn't want to spook. And that's 2,000 passengers that may be freaking out. At 6 o'clock in the morning. Correct. So at 7.50 a.m., most of the passengers on the cruise ship actually disembarked. And, uh, you know, and finally an announcement was made asking Amy to go to the purser's desk. So now, most of the passengers got off before they said anything. And then they say, you know, Amy Bradley, can you please come to the purser's desk, who is like the person in charge kind of thing with that whole thing, like an info info desk, whatever. So if, if the majority of the people actually got off, then they're not even hearing that, that this took place. Yeah, but do they, they keep an eye on who's leaving? Um, somewhat. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. They know who's leaving because they, they know who's off the boat and who needs to be accountable for. So okay. they don't leave anyone behind. Mm-hmm. So the 
bodies either thrown overboard or still on. Hmm. Really? What do you think? Do you know this? No? Let's just say that I, I, wrote, I did all the research, so yeah, I know all about this. Oh, so, okay, so this it, isn't a mystery. Uh, no, 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 it is. It is, and you'll see why. You'll, okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So um, apparently, not apparently, but so all these people left and got off the boat, and so there was no response, right? So Amy is not coming around. So the staff decided to search the entire ship between 12.15 p.m. and 1 o'clock p.m., okay? So now... A lot of people believe that them waiting so long to, you know, to respond to this whole thing is a, a huge reason why there are so many uh, or so few leads into Amy's disappearance. Okay. So the authorities were then notified of Amy's disappearance and the Netherlands Antilles, or Antilles, I think it's Antilles, Coast Guard launched a search lasting four days and concluding on March 27th. They initially believed that Amy had other uh, had either committed suicide or had fallen overboard. Okay. However, Amy was a considered a strong swimmer because remember they were docked, so it's not like they were out on the open sea or whatever. They were actually docked there, and um, she was considered a strong swimmer. And there was absolutely no evidence of foul play or anything else nefarious. Mm, roof and all. So, with hardly any significant leads to work with. Two different passengers told Ron that they saw a woman matching Amy's description on the elevator with cigarettes and a lighter on the morning she went missing. Allegedly went missing. Well. Right. Aside from that, during the party the night before, Amy was also allegedly seen with a guy named Alistair Douglas, um, who was a member of the ship's house band, Blue Orchid, that we mentioned earlier. And his name, uh, his, his nickname is Yellow. They call me Mellow Yellow. Yeah. Whatever. So a video was taken of uh, of them dancing together. Okay, so they're having a good time. But Doug, uh, Douglas here, Yellow, claims that he left the party before 1 a.m. Okay. First of all, I don't trust a guy named Yellow. Just going to say that. I just but don't... it's a peaceful color. Isn't that the color that they say if you paint a baby's bedroom, they're going to go like turn psychotic? I mean, I would think if you paint a baby's bedroom black, you're psychotic. Or am I judgy? You're judgy. Okay. Yep. I don't know. Judgy don't McJudgerson. Know yep. <laughs> there she is. She's back, folks. Hey. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Stop it. Right, sorry. So, so um, Amy Lynn Bradley's whereabouts are completely unknown to this very day. However, there have been a handful of potential sightings of her in the years following her disappearance, hmm. leading a lot of people to believe that Amy was actually kidnapped. And sold into human trafficking. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a twist. But you know what really actually happened? Did well, she run away with yellow? N- no, nobody knows. These are all disappearances that are still unsolved. Everything that oh. we're pretty much talking about. I There was a bunch of disappearances that wound up with like, you know, uh, see, I don't want to give too much. But none of these people have been found that we're talking about. Okay, so A, she could have jumped off the deck. It is a it's, it is a possibility she could have done um, that, but they they're like she actually was going on this to celebrate her future. She wasn't she wouldn't not have taken her own life. Everybody said she was happy. She had just graduated college, and she is excited. This is a celebration that her family put on. You know, put her on a yeah. cruise ship with them. Let's go celebrate because you're going to be you know. Yeah, that's that's horrible. So suicide, I'm saying, is out on that one. Well pressure stress and pressure it's possible but Family she was pressure that she, could be a lot she was just hanging out down at a 
a club, a club dancing her ass Maybe off and having a good time. Told her she wasn't his type, and she got. She just met him though. Yeah, you think she's that? I don't know. You never know. <laughs> Women are crazy. Hey, you said it, and I didn't say that. Okay. Okay. So uh, then in 1998, a cab driver came forward and said that a woman matching Amy's description approached him in a, in a, in a hasty manner, asking to use a phone. However, the authorities never verified the cab driver's alleged sighting. Why would they not do that? Did he allow her to use the phone? Uh, no. Because this is 1998. He didn't really have a phone. All he has is a CB radio, so he didn't really have like a... Yeah, so then in sad. August of 1998, a Canadian tourist claimed to see a woman with identical tattoos, because Amy actually had some tattoos, mm-hmm. and um, that made him confident that it was, in fact, Amy. He said she was walking uh, with two men on a beach in Carousel, desperately attempting to get his attention. Okay, so he sees Aww. this girl, and he's like, and she's like looking over, like super like... Help. Help. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what she's doing. So then in 1999, a U.S. Navy member reported that a woman in a brothel claimed to be Amy and asked for the enlisted man's help. Okay. Did he help her? Well, she allegedly Christ. told the uh, the officer that she was being held against her will, but he did not report it because he was in a brothel and afraid that uh, his little visit would jeopardize his career. <laughs> He ended up coming uh, coming forward later uh, after he retired, uh, but didn't have any actual evidence mm, proving that any she of that got stolen. <laughs> so, that's a lot of sightings. So that's where you're. That's where you're at right now. I would say so. Okay. So um, when I say that this gets even worse. Oh no. Yeah. So if you've never really wanted to drag an individual um, into a dark alley and curb stomp them until oh. they see Jesus. Um, allow me to introduce to you a piece of shit by the name of Frank Jones. Wait, is this the same girl? Yes. Uh, I'll let you know when, yeah. So in the fall of 1999, Amy's family received an email from a fellow named, you guessed it, Frank Jones, claiming to be an ex-Navy SEAL and ex-Army Ranger. He told her family that he'd seen Amy and she was being held hostage by some Colombian folks in a housing complex. Obviously, as a former U.S. Army Special Officer, he and his team could attempt to rescue her. Yeah. Oh. So he's Jones. Trying to get money. Huh? He's trying to get money. Well, he did send two of his men down there to Carousel to check out the account given to the family by the witness, who was a cook by the name of Judith Margarita. Okay. So Judith had told the family that the heavily armed Colombian guards were holding Amy in a housing complex protected with barbed wire. She also said that she regularly saw Amy shopping at a grocery store and working out at a gym, and that she was often with a man with long blonde hair and tattoos down one arm. Margarita also gave the family an accurate description of Amy's tattoos and hummed a lullaby that Amy's mother used to sing her as a baby. Okay? She wouldn't know that unless she knew. Well, the family was convinced... That she wasn't lying. That this is legit. This is real. Right? And remember, all of this information, everything's coming from Frank Jones. So Jones sent the family a report saying that his men, whom he described as former Navy SEALs, set up surveillance points at the locations Margarita indicated and observed um, Amy. Okay? So they saw her in a dark green SUV driven by a captor with long blonde hair. 
So it sounds like this is the guy. This is her, right? The report said Amy was in a dangerous situation and under guard and that Jones's men were forced to leave after a week on the island when they were fired upon by an estimated 10 different men. So they were spotted and they got shot at. Okay, so they were like, no, we got to go. They relayed the news and reports to the family in the next few months while asking them for money to fund their operations. Quote, he told me that he'd put Amy on his own back and swim her out of there, said Iva Bradley. That's Amy's mother. Then Jones finally told them, oh, Frankie here, it was time to attempt a rescue. But he needed more money to do that. Mm. So when the family demanded proof that the woman Jones was, uh, you know, that their men were actually tracking was their daughter, he sent them some photographs of her sitting on the beach with the blonde-haired man. Upon seeing the tattoo on her ankle, on Amy's ankle, her mom said, quote, when I got the pictures, I knew Amy was okay, and it was just a matter of time. Amy's family sent Jones more money, bringing the total amount they had sent him uh, to $210,000. Oh, that's a, like it, you're talking about 20-something years ago, so. It's a good, good chunk of change. That's like 500000 now. Right, if not more. Yeah. Right. So now 24000 of that was out of their own pocket, okay? Oh. But the uh, the other 186000 was actually from a fund that was set up to help find Amy by the na- uh, the nation's missing children organization. So they actually put this fund together, like a GoFundMe before Go- GoFundMe right. was around, you know? So the family flew to um, to Florida and waited in a hotel. So he called him and said, this is what we're going to do. I need you to send more money to me. And he's like, I want you to come down to Florida. And so they go there and they go to a hotel. And they got there because um, Amy's father um, worked for an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And the owner of that insurance company had a private jet. So he flew them down there like, yes, go find your, you know, go get your daughter. So, quote, we sat in that hotel for a week thinking any minute we were going to get a phone call. Okay, that's mom talking to prime time at the time. So just, I just want you to put all of this into perspective, everyone listening out there and you grace you have this tinge of hope and then you're sitting there in this room and at any time you're waiting for that phone to ring right think about how just i I don't know just (laughs) think about how just debilitating that would be Mm -hmm. you know i i wouldn't be sitting in a hotel in florida i'd be in curacao caraco wherever with Lots With what? Your 5'2 ass? <laughs> I can hide better than most people. Hide well, in a bush and pew, pew. Pew, pew. Right. <laughs> so it turned out that this piece of shit Jones had shocker. Hold on for it. Let's see if I can get it in here for you. Ah. There you go. Ah, yeah, he never served in the special forces and had made up the entire story. Oh my gosh. Did he really? Yep. But it, it goes even more twisted, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So he made up the in- entire thing. The picture of Amy was a fake, set up by Jones using one of his men in a wig and putting a fake tattoo on a woman that he knew to sit there and take the damn pictures. Men's bodies are way different than women's. What does that have to do with anything? You wouldn't be able to tell from the picture that you're... It's, it's a woman. It was a, a friend of his that was a woman. Oh, I thought you said... I said a fake tattoo on a woman he knew. Oh, I thought you said a man with a wig. The man was the long-haired blonde guy. Oh, that was his buddy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so his so the, this guy that worked for him, he was what like, a I want dick. you to yeah, a complete piece of shit. Yeah. Now, luckily, one of Jones's team members saw what was happening and turned in his punk ass. 
And in February of 2002, federal prosecutors in Richmond charged Jones with defrauding Amy's family of $24,444 and the nation's missing children organization of $186,416. He pled guilty to mail fraud in April and was sentenced to just five years in prison and ordered to repay the money. Hmm. I personally believe that Ron, Amy's dad, should have been allowed to take a baseball bat and take that money out of his ass. But that's just my opinion. Do people hide money up their ass? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I've never been to prison. I have no idea. Oh, well. <laughs> it's called keistering, by the way. Yeah, Keistering is hiding, hiding things paraphernalia, up your, right? Yeah, that's hiding stuff up your bung. Would you hide money up your bung? I mean, I guess you could. It'd be awful shitty if you did. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah! Okay. <laughs> So All right. they clearly well, were at an end with that? Well. Anything happened after that for that poor family? So the years passed, passed by slowly with hardly anything happening until 2005 when Judy Marr, a woman named Judy Marr, came forward, forward and claimed that she spotted Amy in a Barbados department store bathroom. According to Judy here. Amy walked in, followed by three men allegedly threatening her to follow through on some sort of a deal. Basically saying, you have to do this, you gotta do this, whatever. So Judy claims that after the men left, the woman was extremely upset and said her name was Amy and that she was from Virginia. The men then came back in and took the girl away. So Judy reported the situation to the authorities like almost immediately and helped create composite sketches of the four people, Amy included, okay? So later that year, Amy's parents appeared on Dr. Phil. They brought a picture emailed to them, emailed to them, depicting a, quote, distraught and despondent young woman resembling their daughter, suggesting that she was sold into sex trafficking. The photos were found by a member of an organization dedicated to tracking down the unfortunate victims of sex trafficking. Regarding the sex trafficking theory, some believe that the cruise ship's staff or the Blue Orchid band members were actually involved in her kidnapping. Yellow. Yellow. I told you. Bastard. So Yellow, the band member seen with Amy, gave a story to the authorities that opposed, you know, what it said on the CCTV footage. So all the cameras on board, he's like, oh yeah, this is what happened. And then they're watching the video footage and they're like, um, no, it's not. So he's a, he's a liar right then is and there. Is he in jail right now? There's also speculation about a waiter aboard the cruise. Okay. Mm. So this waiter approached Amy's family numerous times, asking them to pass on a note to their daughter, inviting her to get drinks with him once they got to shore. Okay, now, that's not not horrible, but maybe the guy had an infatuation. Yeah, but Yellow that. definitely seems like he's on my whatever. I would say Yellow. But there's no, there's no evidence. There's no body. There's no body, no crime. Yeah, I hate to take that from and another podcast I listened to. 2002? This one was 2005. That's when this was. Almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So now, interestingly, the professional, you know how on the cruise ship they have that photographer where they're walking around just taking all these pictures and you can just go buy them? Well, the the photographer there on the cruise ship printed out all of the photos that he'd been taking during the the thing. Um, Except when the family went to go look at any pictures of Amy, they were all gone. Like, all of them were gone. Mm. So it either leads There's a crew. There, it, it, it had to yeah, be staff, right? It, yeah, it had to have been staff. Or is it somebody protecting the staff, like oh my, or, or the ship itself? No, like, you, oh my god, you wouldn't want to protect the ship like that. 
Well, because then that makes him suspicious. Yeah, well. So then in 2012, a jawbone happened to wash ashore in Aruba. Local authorities initially thought it was linked to another missing persons case, uh, Natalie Holloway, which I will actually talk about in the bonus coming up next week. Um, However, once they cleared the bone of any connection to Holloway, the authorities stopped looking into it. Even though nine other Caribbean vacationers were still missing at that time, no DNA testing has ever been done on the jawbone. Okay? But it was determined to belong to a Caucasian. Now, I get not having the financial resources to follow every lead, but when a jawbone comes up, let's test the shit out of this. You know? Let's figure out where the hell this came from. Yeah, it's not like it was like a... It wasn't a fish. Right. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't yeah, a jawbone. It wasn't a freaking dolphin. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Oh boy. Are we going to I'm going to keep doing that the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You started this. I'm so, sorry, guys. So Amy Lynn Bradley um unfortunately was declared legally dead on March 24th of 2010, 12 years after her disappearance. How? Well, because after a certain amount of time with Oh, really? You can you can have somebody um pronounced dead. But it, it depends on legalities. So the family had him pronounced dead? Her uh, it may dead? have been. It may have been. Oh, I would assume it probably was because I think they're the ones that have to do it. Um, so unfortunately, the truth about Amy is still a mystery. There are no verified witnesses and no remains found ever aside from that jawbone that those dickheads didn't test. Well, that's a jawbone in Aruba. There were still like, people. Okay, but let's just say that if, if Amy is one of the other nine... To, that would be so, saying that there's only nine jawbones that could possibly be in the ocean and Caucasian ones in the o- ocean in Aruba. A lot of people die in the ocean, right? I mean, I guess, but then you should still you should still go through the proper steps and channels and, and get it figured they out. Probably still have the jawbone, and they should check on that. Absolutely. But I think technology nowadays is way more advanced. Way more advanced. Yeah. So it might be easier. And if it would definitely be easier. in the industry, please go out, check that jawbone, and let us know. Well, currently, the FBI is offering $25,000 for any information that could lead to closure in Amy's case. Mm. Now, Amy's family is offering an additional $50,000 for information regarding her location and $250,000 for information that leads to her safe return. So they, they definitely want their daughter found. I would too. So, okay. So we'll go through this real fast and just give me like your quick, after hearing all of that, do you still think that maybe it might have, she may have fallen off or jumped over? Because it's very possible that almost it is so possible. every single one of those counts or accounts may be completely fictitious because people see someone that resembles somebody. That's, that's initially what I was thinking. Yeah, because you got to remember too, and I, I talk about this a lot, um, um, eyewitness testimony is one of the most unverifiable. Right. In, in all of law proceedings. I, maybe she was sleeping at six o'clock in the morning, woke up because she got sick from being drunk from the night before. Very possible. Went to go puke overboard and just fell. Slipped or maybe the, a wave or something hit. Something. And I mean, they said that she let, that that her cigarettes and her um, lighter were gone. So maybe, maybe she, she had, had them in her, her hand and she was going out to smoke or something. And I mean... The whole Occam's razor thing, or what people think Occam's razor is, is the the, the easiest solution is the right one, right? Or the, mo- the one that makes the most sense, I guess you'd say, is the right one. So maybe that is it. It's a direct line. Yeah, you never know. But I do think that it's 
that Frank Jones needs to be fucking kneecapped. Ugh. Could you just, ugh, what a despicable human being. That's ugh. disgusting. Yeah. And then, and then more people like sending, you know, um, emails like and stuff and like not, they're not, and maybe some of them did have like, you know, you know um, they, they were being uh, fortuitous about it. Maybe they were, but I feel like a lot of people are either just dumb, like, oh my God, that's that girl on TV. You know what I mean? Or they've got some sort of like, you know, vindictive, nefarious Amy's thing. Amy's a common name. Yeah, it's definitely a common name. But when you really think about it, all those people seeing a girl named Amy that meets all of that, like... There's a lot. It's There's a lot. That poor family. I feel yeah. so freaking bad for them. I, like, I swear to God, if I could meet them and give each one of them a hug, I would. You know what I mean? Look, it's just going through that is just... Ugh. Sure. Well... I would. That I was would, their first one. I would buy a house down there just so that I resided there, and I would every day go look for. Her. Oh, on Carousel. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we all know that Disney is a vast corporation full of evil lizard people and Illuminati, right? Ooh. We all know that, right? Yeah. Well, hold on to your buttholes, passengers. <laughs> because at the time of her disappearance, a young woman named Rebecca Corium was only twenty-four years old. Okay, and she was from Chester, England, and she worked with children aboard the Disney Wonder Cruise ship. Okay. So employee. This is an employee working on the ship, and she, I don't know if she worked, it says worked with children, so I'm assuming she was in like maybe the daycare yeah. on board the ship. So en route to Puerto Vallarta, 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 Puerto Vallarta, ooh, you like that? Mm. Mexico. From Los Angeles, Corium was last seen on video footage on March 22nd of 2011 at 5.45 a.m. in the crew uh, crew lounge talking on an internal phone line, wearing men's clothing, and acting visibly distressed. Okay. Mm, okay, let's say this again one yeah, more time. Let's put all so that together. So he, they, they were spotted. She. She. She was spotted at 5.45 in the morning on the video footage on an internal phone line meaning probably talking to someone else on the ship, okay, wearing men's clothing and acting visibly distressed. Okay. Okay. So after hanging up the phone, she was never seen or heard from again. She killed someone, (laughs) stole their clothes because hers were dirty, Ooh. and ran away. I like that one. Yeah. Ooh. My mind did not go there. That's exactly where my mind went. Wow. I am so afraid of you and turned on at the same time. <laughs> wow. Go ahead. I don't know. I like that. That's a cool feeling. <laughs> so That's... after hanging up the phone, again, she was never heard from. So when she failed to report for her 9 a.m. shift, the Disney staff were alerted to search the ship for, for her, but they didn't find anything. Were they at port? Like, where were they? They, uh, did we just they say were that? They were in Mexico. Route. They were going from, um, no, they were going to... Puerto Vallarta so from at LA. That point in time, they weren't docked. Right. They were like, oof. Yeah. Okay. And of course, you know, after her shift, she has to go and, you know, whatever, hang out, do or whatever. But you're still on a ship. And this is the one I was talking about earlier about how maybe the, the ships can kind of have an adverse effect on somebody if they're not um, okay. psychologically, you know, 
able to handle it. I so mean, especially those English people, right? <laughs> hey, how dare you? <laughs> Excuse me, we have a lot of English listeners. She did not mean that. <laughs> no, no, I was just teasing just because we did the twenty three and me and you. I am a lot I'm of, super, super English. You're super English. Yes, and I was yes. just teasing. So you're you're most of my balls, is yes, what it is. Yes. But I also found out that I'm also twenty percent a Scottish. <laughs> hey. So anyway, so she didn't show up for her shift. And, of course, they're, like, looking for her. The United States Coast Guard and Mexican Navy were contacted to search the surrounding ocean, but came up short of, you know, anything about where she may be. I mean, you're also... It's the ocean! ocean. Yeah, that's got to be hard to search. So, according to Rebecca's father, Disney just disregarded standard operating procedures and didn't turn the ship around to look for his daughter. So, when they first found out that she was missing, they, I guess, they're... Their, their standard, um, the SOP, their procedures was to the turn CL- around. I not the clit. No, no, that's P? different. No, no, no. Standard operating procedures, okay. SOP. So anyway, he's saying that they immediately right off the rip didn't do what they were supposed to. Right. Additionally, he states that the Navy and Coast Guard teams were given incorrect coordinates and probably searched the wrong area of the ocean where they were at. Okay. Yeah. So this is guy trying to get money out of Disney. Hush, hush money. Maybe. Well, we'll talk. Okay. So under the flags of convenience system, the cases, uh, it's jurisdic- jurisdiction. My mouth was like, you can't say that word. <laughs> uh, it's jurisdiction uh, fell to the country of the ship's registration, which in this case. The United States. Was the tax haven of the Bahamas. <sighs> oh, I thought you said they were coming from L.A. They were coming from LA. That doesn't mean that's where the registration came oh, from. Oh, so they started. Somebody has in a the Bahamas. A, went over to LA. Well, it's Disney, and how do you think that the rich get and stay rich? Well, they know where all the tax abatements and Ooh, stuff are. Oh, yeah, you're right. So okay, they it's a tax haven, so yeah. it makes sense, right? So anyway, they the Bahamas they were in charge of this whole thing. Right? It's their, their jurisdiction. Okay, so three days after her uh, disappearance, Disney contacted the Royal Bahamas Police Force to conduct an investigation. Well, the RBPF, that's the police force, uh, responded by assigning one detective to the case. Okay, just one. And that's, uh, I believe it's superintendent. It's S-U-P-T. I believe it's, short. is that short for superintendent? I would okay. Say. Well, his name is Paul Rowley. So. Roll, Rowley, Roy, Roy, I don't know. It's R-O-L-L-E. Roll, Rowley. But moving on. Anyway, so he was flown out by Disney um, you know, in a private jet to go to Los Angeles. He spent one day aboard the Wonder, that's the ship she was on, once it actually returned to port, and um, he interviewed, um, okay, so I'll look at it this way. They put one person on it. Um, there were 950 employees and 2,000, over 2,000 passengers on the ship. Uh, this Paul Rollet or whatever his name is, he interviewed six employees and none of the passengers. Yeah. Okay. Not a good start. Well, none of this is a good start. Right. It doesn't make a lot of sense. They're not doing protocol. So if At he all. doesn't find what happened, is that I'm sure well, some, them look bad. Somebody has to 
pay the piper. So is this guy basically sent out to be the fall guy for right. them and be inept at his job? Like, oh, he didn't do a good yeah. job. Like, listen, you get I'm, out there and you act like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Or, yeah, don't know what the or fuck you're doing. Or hide it. Hide shit, yeah. Or find somebody that's a complete idiot that wouldn't go, wait a second, there's 900 employees and I'm one person and I need to interview them all? Yeah. Well, I mean, so yeah, maybe truthfully. He was I mean, idiot. but only six though? Like, okay, I could see if he only got to half of them. Okay, I get it. But I mean, a phone call, you, you just contact them. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. anyway. Okay. So after several days of quote unquote stalled communication, Disney then flew out um, Rebecca's parents, okay, to meet this detective and the captain of the ship in Los Angeles. And regarding their missing daughter, um, they were they were treated what they called Disney style. That's quotes. According to Anne, that's her, uh, Rebecca's mother, Quote, everything was staged by Disney. We were taken in a car with blacked out windows on the boat uh, on the boat's back, boat's back entrance as passengers disembarked from the front. They took us to a room where they played the video footage of Rebecca where mostly she appears to be fine. So they literally like scooped them in like we don't want anyone seeing that you're coming here right now. You know what I mean? Which is shady as shit. People are leaving the boat. They're not going to know who the fuck those people are. Yeah, but then why, why just take them and just kind of push them off into a room do you think disney has a lot of cars that don't have blacked out windows i don't know i think disney's evil oh jeez. okay or they they They're, could they, they are evil they are sure yeah they are you, you just don't know i do so on board the ship's captain offered the family his conclusion as to the fate of their daughter okay it's suicide the, it's the captain he explained that rebecca had likely been swept off of deck five by a rogue wave Ooh. Her parents were then shown deck five. A crew, um, a, it was a, there's a swimming pool area for the crew, was in, in right in front of the ship's bridge, and it had walls around it because there's a, you know, right. whatever. They were over six six feet tall. She had to be pretty tall to hop over that. You would think. Okay. They were then taken to the crew quarters and to their daughter's cabin where they were shown a sandal that allegedly belonged to Rebecca, and was recovered on deck five, where they said supposedly that's what happened after a rogue wave. Okay. The following day, the Coriums watched the shore as the Disney Wonder, uh, it actually took off on sail again. Sorry, guys, this is what we think happened. We're leaving. Bye. And the ship just left. They have no idea where their daughter is, and the ship's like, well, we got a job to do. See you later. Anyway, so despite the um, the, the police there um, in their case was, uh, you know, an ongoing investigation... Disney considered the, quote, heartbreaking matter to be put to rest and laid flowers upon the site on deck five of the alleged rogue wave accident in a ceremony attended by some of the ship's crew. How nice of them. Yeah. That's crazy. How sweet. Unsatisfied with Disney's account of their daughter's disappearance, and fucking A right I would be too, the Coriums hired private investigator, uh, a guy named Roy Ram. Ooh. Yeah. He sounds like he's going to fuck shit up. Yeah. why did you hump when you did that? I was trying to pull my chair closer. <laughs> it looked like you were humping at that. I'm like, whoa, calm down. Yes, because I just randomly humped so the tonight, air every time. My I name talk. is Roy Ram. That's right. Oh, Ram that tough. Turns me on. Yeah. Say Ram one more time. <laughs> That's Ram, baby. <laughs> so now he's a former specialist of Scotland Yard. Yay! Hey! <laughs> And sought the aid of uh, of Chester, um, an MP from Chester. That's where, remember she's from Chester, England. 
a, a Chris Matheson and former Deputy Prime Minister Lord Prescott. However, what they unearthed outside of the official investigation was pretty much way worse mm. and dealing with the possible fate of poor little Rebecca here. Disney has always uh, maintained that a wave swept her off, right? right? Off of deck five, right? Remember, that's where the pool area was. Right. Okay. And they think it happened between six and nine that morning on March 22nd. However, there are a ton of inconsistencies with this. Wait, isn't that weird? It's March 22nd. The last one we talked about was March 28th. Well, that's probably like prime cruise time, right? I mean, any time is prime cruise time. Not for me, it's not. Okay. So anyway, one, uh, one of the inconsistencies inconsistencies is that the weather and ocean conditions near Puerto Vallarta, where they were, you know. It wasn't crazy. Right? Um, where the ship was at at the time. It had zero stormy weather. Nothing that would even, because remember, that wave, a rogue wave to get up to the fifth, the fifth floor deck or whatever that is, right, would have to be over 100 feet high. Okay, to sweep somebody off and above the six foot walls or around, or, you know, the deck. Yeah, no, it's bullshit. Right, completely. Okay. So now the primary uh, physical evidence of her disappearance is the footage of her talking on a phone. And that was her last sighting. That's the last time they, anyone saw her, saw her. Now, in his investigations, Ram retrospectively discovered that the CCTV footage had been cropped to hide the timestamp and location of that exact footage so according to disney that footage was shot inside deck five uh, really close where she was you know allegedly swept overboard but after they looked at these the real undoctored copy of the footage ram you know, ram run ram and the other investigators learned that it was actually shot on deck one hmm. and not even close to where supposedly this whole thing happened. We have a camera system. Mm -hmm. And I swear to you, every time that we've ever needed footage. It's it's down. It's 1,000% <laughs> down. Always. It's it's down. It like blacks out right when we need it. It is the weirdest thing. We can watch our camera system 24-7 and everything goes so smooth. Until you need it. Until you need it. And then all of a sudden it's like... Oh, our, the time's off. Uh -huh. Remember the one time we had to give our cameras stuff and they're like, well, this is four o'clock in the morning. And we're like, no, it was two. Right. And it's never, it was never right for us. It, it's not. But this is, this is. Disney, they have probably more money than we do. But no, they found out that it was actually doctored though. Like, so they know that somebody messed with the footage. It wasn't like they went in and was like, oh no, I, I don't know how that happened. I mean, yeah, but that could be someone just going like, here, just. Snip this, put this here. This uh, is where she was. But it's on a completely different deck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so of course, copies of this footage have been denied to the family repeatedly. Like, they're not allowed to see it. So the detectives who were investigating this, they saw it. And they're the ones that came back and they're like, this is what we saw, but Disney won't give it up. So another notable piece of uh, physical evidence provided by Disney was that, you remember the sandal that we said we found mm -hmm. up on deck five? That, yeah. Even though she wasn't there. Um, that sandal um, actually had another person's name, okay, on it, and cabin number, and family and crew members insisted that the sandal was the wrong size and wasn't even close well, to being Rebecca's style. Who writes their fucking name on their sandals? I, who knows? Maybe, well, you Seriously? Know, if you're going to leave it someplace, maybe you don't want 
if found. <laughs> right. Maybe it says that. If found, please bring to cabin five. Mm, you know? Okay, so where are you going to write that? You were nitpicking some of the weirdest shit Because you know the right friction now. on shoes. Like you put something, like, it's like tattoos on your feet. They don't last that long because But you're only on friction. a cruise for like a week or two. Okay, I'm just saying. You're, you're, you're picking the wrong stuff. And it, and it said room number? Yeah, like I said, it basically like if found, you know, I'm assuming it. I, I'm, I'm totally assuming on that. I have okay. No idea. I would never right. put my. Sorry, I will not nitpick I will, anything else. <laughs> I would never put my name and cabin number on a shoe. Because right. be then someone's going to be like, I know what cabin he's in. Right. These are nice yeah. shoes. Maybe yeah. they have money. Right. Yeah. See. Mm-mm. So anyway, yeah, they d- decided that, you know, that obviously that shoe is not hers is what the family's saying. Okay. And, and everyone's saying. So then a few months after Rebecca's disappearance, investigative journalist John Ronson of The Guardian actually went on to the Wonder this ship she worked on and try to kind of piece things together here. Like, you know, you got what they're saying, you got what the How investigators are saying. One when she's right. Five, and it just doesn't make any sense. Where's the shoe? How could it be thrown? Right. So in talking with crew members, he uncovered suspicious and sinister intentions behind Disney's explanation of Rebecca's case. One crew member actually said, quote, Disney knows exactly what happened. That phone call she had, it was taped. Everything here is taped. Ooh. There's CCTV everywhere. Disney has the tape. Well, they actually said Disney have the tape in their quote, but but it's Disney. So, yeah, I mean, think about that. That entire ship is just covered from stem to stern with um, cameras and, and whatnot. Yeah. And in the internal phone lines and stuff, you know they're, they're, they're having those. Okay, so let's think of, like, worst case scenario, some thing that someone did there like an employee could get them sued and that's why they had to cover it up i mean i i guess i would just think of how disney why would disney want to cover this up because they don't because that would if if it got out that somebody died or was murdered or whatever the case would have been like saying oh they wouldn't want your kid yeah, yeah. exactly. It's Disney. Okay. You know Got what it. I mean? It's like saying, "Oh my God, someone shot Goofy." You know what I mean? Like you're gonna be like, "Ah!" and kids fucked up forever. And there goes Disney. Well, then, yeah. So now, when asked about Rebecca, another crew member actually replied, saying, "Quote: I don't know anything about it. It didn't happen. You know, that's the answer I have to give." So the crew, it sounds to me like they've all been informed. Like you do not say a fucking word. I I don't know though. Well, there's a lot of crew members, 900, uh, 950, I believe it was. That's, that's 900 people. Unless this was a ship from Italy, then nobody's going to tell on anybody or else they're afraid that they're going to get. It's Disney. Disney. Yeah. No. Disney has Disney money. That's it. But what are they? If they want to every single 900 crew members to like see, no, hear, no speak. No, that has to be a lot of money. Sorry. Let me. <laughs> You're getting fired up over here. I like it, but but just wait, just wait. Okay. So now, uh, her family and friends from England described her as a happy-go-lucky and energetic. Okay, they they said she was always in a positive mood. However, working for Disney would require one to be an overall, and you know, have a, a just be happy and positive demeanor at all times, right? Or quote, Disney wouldn't hire you if you weren't that sort of person. This is according to several crew members. However, other crew members and close friends to Rebecca on the ship painted a uh, saying a little bit different about her. Um, 
We're basically saying that uh, one crew member actually described her as a lovely girl with underlying sadness, quote, end quote. So she's on this ship. Maybe she does have a sunny disposition. Maybe she's getting homesick. Maybe she's tired of being on the same ship over and over again. Maybe it's starting to get to her. Okay. Who is she talking to? So in 2017, Tracy Medley, Rebecca's girlfriend and co-worker, bored the wonder. Well, she decided to actually come out and say some shit about the the disappearance. She claims that that night that she and Rebecca. Wait, were you really going to plan on talking about this right now? I just asked at the perfect time. No. Oh, this is different. Okay. In fact, this is kind of fucked up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just prefacing that now. So, so her friend Tracy here came out and said, listen, that night before she disappeared, that her and her friend engaged in a threesome with a boyfriend of Tracy. Okay. So according to Tracy, Rebecca had been super upset over, you know, the uh, fiery and passionate relationship in the weeks prior. The shock of sharing her lover with a male friend or perhaps sexually, you know, wanting to be with Tracy may have pushed her over the edge. So they're saying that she wanted to be with Tracy. But so Tracy said, hey, how about me and you bang my boyfriend and you think it was Tracy saying that, or do you think no, that's Tracy what, no, was like Tracy came out and said that? Was she like, my boyfriend really wants a threesome, and I think it should be with you because I trust you? Yeah, whatever the case may have been, but yeah, she said that. She's okay. the one that came out and said this. Now, whether or not it's true and it happened or not, you know what I mean? I mean, we really don't know. But what she's saying is that she thinks that maybe because that. She's trying to get Tracy's attention and wanting to be with Tracy and had to do this whole thing, maybe not wanting to do it. And maybe it was enough to actually kind of like swing her mood and just make her extremely upset, heartbroken, especially, you know what love does to people. If she's in love with this Tracy girl, not saying she is allegedly, if she is, and then this Tracy girl's like, yeah, I want you to come and rail my boyfriend with me or whatever it is. Like that could really destroy somebody's sense of, of self. Because Especially you, if she was like into women and not men, and correct. she had to be with, and a she man was doing to this too with a woman. Exactly, I could see that. Right, so that's what she's saying on this. So, uh, and then she also believes Tracy here, her friend, believes that she wanted off the ship and her life. Okay, she wanted to go back to her normality, and then climbed over the six foot railings of deck five to jump into the ocean. Now, however, all her friends and families from England, all of Rebecca's friends and family, or whatever. They've always denied that Rebecca took her own life. According, oh, yeah, you don't want to well, yeah, think that. Right. Well, I mean, at some point, though, wouldn't it make it easier? To if, think it, that she killed herself? As opposed to where is she, what happened to her? And you were, if, if it would, if. Let me ask you a question. Boy. You have daughters. I do. Would you think it was easier to think that your daughter got kidnapped, murdered, anything? Or that she was forced to have a sexual relationship with another man while she was in love with a woman and she took her own life. Which one would be easier? Well, I think, well, no, uh, we were saying that the suicide would be easier to take in. That's that's what I was saying. Is that it would be easier to put a pen in it, or not a pen, but a period at the end of the sentence and say, okay, this is... This is what happened. Yeah, but you as opposed hope. to sitting there beating yourself up over and over and over again. Like, 
that's why I'm saying I don't think it's easy for them to be like, no, she would never do that. That's not my daughter. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure I, I don't know what it's like. I can't even put myself in that right, position. Yeah, none of us can. You know what I mean? I could not even imagine. Hopefully. Yeah, pff, no. I And nobody knows how they're going to react to that. So maybe they are in some denial. You know what I mean? It's very possible. This is their their, their, their daughter. Yeah. You know? So anyway, they just, they believe that it's all the law enforcement just fucked it all up. Okay. That they botched it from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, they only um, had the interviews with six of the crew members. They withheld evidence because remember, they won't give up any of those tapes to anybody. Phone calls, maybe. Nobody knows who the hell she was talking to on the phone. But that's sketchy. Yep. And no forensic analysis. So they never forensically found anything. That they and this was 2011? Yes. So it was closer to where they should have yeah. done those kinds of things. But so those those types of things, though, especially if you do have this sense of, you know, um, you, you don't want to believe it happened and you're in, um, you know, denial, then those are just adding fuel to the fire. Yeah. You know, and whether and listen, it could have just been complete incompetence on behalf of whomever. Everyone. Right. And it that's 100 percent what it could have been. And but unfortunately, if it if it looks that bad from where you're standing and your heart is emotionally distraught from it, it's just going to exacerbate it to the yeah. point where you're just going to drive that yourself crazy. Family. Yep. So a good friend and one of the last people aboard the ship to see Rebecca alive actually talked to BBC. Okay. He said, uh, quote, I was never spoken to by any security or police at all. To call this an investigation is an insult. So in 2016, investigator Ram uncovered a ripped pair of shorts within Rebecca's remaining personal effects from her cabin. This is 2016. This is five years later. They were going through her effects and they found a pair of ripped shorts shorts remember she was wearing guys clothing so was she maybe what tracy was trying to say is cover her own ass and maybe her and her boyfriend took advantage of rebecca or she had a threesome and then she grabbed clothes thinking that Who's why? And yeah, whose clothes was she wearing? Like you know, what I mean? well, obviously we don't know because we can't find her. Right. But like, so she's wearing some guy's clothes, and then she's on the phone. So what if this happened? She stopped maybe in the middle of it, and maybe she or she wanted to. They kept going. Dude kept going. She gets super upset, bails out, just grabs the first clothes she can get, and the person she's talking to on the phone is her friend Tracy. Like or how how the fuck could you someone- do this to me? You know what I mean? Well, it's internal. But she's telling that I just had a threesome and fuck this, I don't want to live anymore. But I mean, I, I don't know. That's where I'm at. I, I'm thinking Tracy's kind of trying to cover her own ass right now because if it does come out and they do happen to find her, I mean, who knows what kind of DNA or forensic stuff we're going we're to find on her. You know, That would be if Tracy killed her. Well, not necessarily. If Tracy just came out and said, listen, my boyfriend had sex with her because we had a threesome and then they find her and then there's bodily fluids, things like that. And especially if there's any sort of sign of forced forced. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like who knows? So I don't know. That's to me, that's kind of where I'm at with that because if it's an internal phone line, that means she's talking to someone else on the ship. It's not like she's talking to someone at home, you know, and not saying she doesn't have other friends on the ship. I don't know. It's it, all of that's crazy, but that's the kind of shit that can drive you nuts as a parent. Think about that. I would like we're we're just talking. Yeah, we're just talking on this, and that's it's making me go crazy. 
So anyway, so not anyway, but um, so anyway, they were saying that, uh, you know, uh, when he found the uh, the ripped shorts, uh, he and other law enforcement uh, actually believed that this actually pointed to signs of a struggle and perhaps even a sexual assault before her disappearance. So even Ram thinks Can't this is a thing. they find DNA now? Now they can. Well, this is in 2016, so DNA was prevalent then as well. I'm sure if they recheck it. And they could, but it's all contingent on who's paying for that. If this Disney sh- should be paying but for But if this. this ship is from the Bahamas, and the Bahamas either can't afford it or says, no, we won't do it, it's not like you can, you know what I mean? The you can't, Bahamas yeah, unless it. you get the FBI or the... the the U.S. legislature, the legislature. Well, she's from England, right? Well, yeah, she even at that point. So, yeah, that's going to be United not a, States yeah. involved. So, who does what at this point in time? Ugh. That's why when you were saying that it's like a perfect place to, it honestly is Ugh. the perfect place to. No, I wish I wouldn't have been on this show now. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming for you. <laughs> oh. So, uh, months, I haven't done anything yet, so I yeah. gotta switch it up. I'm gonna knock on wood for myself. Um, so months after her disapp- disappearance here, uh, the, her family noticed that there had been activity on her bank account and a changed password on her Facebook. Now, okay, this is uh, the Matheson from uh, Chester. He says, quote, I believe there's sufficient evidence to indicate a crime may have well taken place. Now, all these years later, friends and family are still searching for answers to the same questions here. And although the case has primarily gone cold up until this point in time, obviously the family still wants to know what the fuck happened. I really hope they do find out what happened. It's very sad. And what's going to have to happen is, is that somebody's going to have to, you know, a cold case detective or whatever is going to have to pick the case up and he's just going to have to like start sink his teeth in and just go yeah. at it. You know what I mean? But then the problem again is it's, it's so expensive. So again, I understand, but it's like, who's paying for this? You know, it it, it sucks. It really does suck. It's horrible. So yeah, hopefully, you know, something comes up with that one as well. So now on to George Allen Smith, the fourth. Oh, a a dude. This this is, this is a dude. And this is a, well, there's not a ton on this one. I mean, there is, but not as much as the other ones. Um, So he was just married for 11 days. Just gotten married. He was on a honeymoon cruise. Ooh. All right. He was 26 years old and aboard the uh, Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas, sailing an Eastern Mediterranean itinerary. So he was going Eastern Mediterranean. Yeah. And he apparently, supposedly, allegedly, went overboard somewhere between Greece and Turkey. I really want to take that cruise. I, I don't now. I'm not taking any cruise. Anyway. I'm going to take that cruise. Will you have fun? I'll be... Swimming with the fish? No, no, fuck that. I'm not swimming at all. No, yeah, unless my, unless I'm dead, that's it. So unfortunately, his body was never um, discovered, and no one was ever charged with any kind of crime. So now the officials, of course, they do, ruled as assumed death an accident. But one tourist camera captured a large stain, supposedly a blood stain, on a ledge about 20 feet below Smith's cabin balcony the following day. Where's the where's the wife? Well, we'll get there. Okay. But however, they actually removed that stain. The ship's staff went and were like, "Do you remember when all those people were puking off the balcony and it went?" Yes, Grace, I do. Balcony. (laughs) Yes. And within minutes, we didn't even call. There were employees coming and cleaning. Mm -hmm. 
but this happened right after he died and they went in and they cleaned up a what is alleged to be a bloody stain okay that's weird but right but now listen could it have been a stain where somebody accidentally fell over and smacked their head on the rail or were they bleeding before right they hit the you know what i mean so i mean there's a lot of but whatever so in addition a bloody handprint was found along uh, along a railing where the stain had actually been spotted okay that's that's suspicious <laughs> okay okay yeah you know? So the story captivated international and national media attention for months and even years after the incident. As a result, his family in Greenwich, uh, Connecticut, uh, they strongly believe that he was actually a victim of foul play. So now, the evening of the incident, his wife, this gentleman's wife, 25-year-old Jennifer Hagel Smith, was found asleep in a public area of the ship and was escorted back to the cabin that she shared with her husband. By her husband? No, it says she was found asleep, so I'm going to assume that it was the staff that found her. Like maybe she okay. was, maybe she was kind of schnookered. You know what I'm saying? I I've never been schnookered before. So yeah, you're and correct. I, I've never fallen asleep while being schnookered before. Correct, so not at all. I would not know what you're talking about, but if I d- I could try to imagine. I wish I had something that just said liar. <laughs> <laughs> so. The uh, Royal uh, Caribbean uh, personnel reported no sign of her husband at the time in the cabin. So when they brought her back there, didn't see him anywhere. Okay. Later, his wife settled out of court with the cruise line for $1.1 million. However, his parents said fuck that and sought to overturn his wife's settlement. As a part of that action, the original settlement was increased to $1.3 million. And then they split it. And Royal Caribbean agreed to release just certain documents. And that's kind of what uh, made uh, made them go further into an investigation. All right. So as a part of all that, the original settlement, like I said, was 1.3. So Michael Jones, this is the, uh, the family's lawyer, says that some documents released by the cruise line, and it's pretty fucking suspicious, on four young men last seen actually walking George back to his room. And George was fucking hammered. Remember, his wife was so hammered that she passed out. Allegedly. Allegedly. Correct. Everything we say okay. here is alleged. Just just know that. <laughs> Everyone listening. So now, so what they're supposedly saying is that there was documentation of these four guys basically walking him back. And then maybe he kind of came to, and because he was so drunk... Lashed out at these guys. It's possible. Or these maybe these were buddies of his that he met. You know what I mean? Fought him. Possible. Like maybe he was like trying to get all aggressive. The drunk, the, the drunken uh, fighter guy with right. beer muscles. Right. Yeah. And then they went to go tame him and ended up, I don't know, maybe hitting him, knocked him out, and then he wasn't breathing. And. And all of that is possible. Blood on something, and that's how they got the handprint. And they didn't probably mean to kill him because you have an awful lot of speculation in you tonight. I don't know. I'm just (laughs) trying to think of what it could be. You have an awful lot of speculation. Well, Michael Jones, the the lawyer here, told the New York Post that Josh Askin, a uh, San Diego State University student at the time of the disappearance, actually failed an FBI lie detector test when he was interviewed about what may have happened to. Old Smith here. Those things don't. Old George. Work. They're completely on. Well, they're good at freaking people out. 
Right. Yeah. Because you can't use them in court. They're inadmissible, 100%. Right. But what happens is, is that if you do happen to fail one and you go... You're suspicious. Yeah. You go, um, well, you actually failed this. Not only did you just fail this, you failed it miserably. Then immediately, somebody who doesn't have the wherewithal to, or the werewaffle, to actually hold on to that, like, no, I didn't, then they're going to crumble. Or it's easier to make them crumble. So that's the only reason it's a good tool to use. And that's why they still have the damn thing. It's completely inadmissible. You know what I mean? It's like having a freaking, I don't know, having a computer that you only use as a paperweight. You know, it just doesn't, there's no point in having the damn thing other than to fuck with people. So, anyway, back to this. So, anyway, he, he this guy fucking you know, failed his shit, right? So, now, during a uh, deposition um, with Michael Jones here, Askin reportedly invoked his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination, which we all have the right to do. But Askin's lawyer denies that his client had anything to do with Smith's disappearance and said that uh, Askin passed a previous polygraph test. So he failed the second one, but he passed the first one. Why would he go for a second one? Well, I mean, that's a good question. Maybe he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Who is this guy? He's one of the people that they believe walked... Um, oh, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, he's lying. Which we're kind of talking, we'll talk about it here. So Askin and um, Rostislav, um, Rusty Kaufman, and co- cousins Greg and Zachary Rosenberg were the last people who reportedly saw Smith before he vanished. So the uh, the, the last of those three are naturalized Russian-American citizens who live in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. they totally did it. Now, do you want to hear something completely heartbreaking? I've been listening to things that are completely heartbreaking. Well, this is going to take it up a notch. Oh. Is there an animal involved? No. That'd be heartbreaking, too. Well, this is a letter posted on internationalcruisevictims.org. Remember that website, by the way. On their website from George's new bride. Quote, after being together since June 8th of 2002, George and I were ecstatic to get married and embark on a romantic 12-day Mediterranean cruise that we had excitedly planned together. We were halfway through our honeymoon cruise that was nearly as joyous and memorable as our wedding day until the unthinkable happened. A night that began with a romantic dinner for two ended with the tragic death of my husband. George had, quote, accidentally fallen overboard, according to cruise officials and the ship's captain. Not realizing anything was amiss until receiving the horrifying news from cruise employees who had found blood beneath our balcony, I began going in and out of shock. The nightmare for all of us had just begun. Though we assume that we have all of the rights of uh, U.S. citizens aboard these mainly American cruises, the captain insisted I leave the ship and undergo, in order to undergo a day of interrogation by Turkish officials. The captain lied about where I was going and with whom, but more importantly, he appeared satisfied to get me off the ship, expedite the investigation, and keep his schedule. The captain did not seem very concerned about my husband, and to this day has repeatedly lied about how this tragic news was relayed to us, the way he conducted himself the day George disappeared, and how he prematurely labeled this an accident, and influenced the way uh, influenced the way in which George's death was investigated from the start. We wish that the ship could have remained in Turkey so that other important witnesses and people of interest could have been interviewed and or interrogated as well. Crucial statements from neighboring cabins were not taken along with statements from all of the passengers last seen with George, as well as crew members. It seems that an abundance of evidence and more important uh, more important clues sailed away that evening with the cruise ship 
as opposed to being uncovered by the FBI, who did not board the ship until two days later. George and I left together newlyweds, in love and so excited about our trip. Now I was flying home alone, uh, a distraught and confused widow, and all of our lives would never be the same again. Months and months pass by and we still have no answers. Our future together, along with all of our hopes and dreams, have been shattered, and we are simply and we all simply deserve to know the truth behind what happened to George. One by one, as each family member and friend learned of this tragic news, their hearts were breaking for George, for the life we would no longer share, for the children we would never have, and for our families and friends devastated by his untimely death. My family and I miss George desperately and are dedicating uh, to un- are dedicated to unfolding the mystery surrounding his death. We seek answers that can only be found with vital information held by the cruise line. We continue to pray for Royal Caribbean to have the courage and heart to give us, his distraught family and friends, the information and answers we need in order to find peace and justice for George. George's caring and compassionate nature, his witty sense of humor and zest for life made him someone my family and friends love to be around. To George, his friends from both home and college meant the world to him, and he considered them all to be his family. From the very beginning, we both knew we had found a great love in each other, and George quickly became a part of my very large and loving family. My parents considered George to be like another son to them, and my siblings considered George to be their new brother long before we were ever married. We have all suffered an immeasurable loss, and with each day that goes by without answers, the hole in our hearts grow exponentially bigger. We love we love you and miss you, George. We also pray for the entire Smith family as they are now my family too. We know that George's death has also created a huge hole in your lives too. I will love George forever. I continue to offer a $100,000 reward for new information directly leading to the arrest or conviction of the person or persons responsible for my husband George's death. Someone knows the truth about my husband's death. Will you help? End quote. Hmm. I mean, like you can read stuff all day long and you can hear like quotes and stuff, but when somebody like, like this is the wife, the the new wife, and she's going on there and like reading her words, like her exact words. I don't know. There was something about that that where I'm just that like, was well written. Yeah, even now I've got like goosebumps and stuff. Do you think she wrote that, or do you think like somebody that works for an attorney's office that's trying to sue the Royal Caribbean? Either way, I think it was very like, well well put. Yeah, absolutely. Well stated. Yeah, and it sucks too. I, I don't mean, know any twenty-four-year-old that could write like that. <laughs> I, I disagree. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that all of our children could write like that if they had the time and uh, back up and me doing their papers for them. Anyway, <laughs> doing their papers <laughs> like you did for me. Yeah, correct. My whole degree. Yeah. I mean, so anyway, I had with, the thoughts. So maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that one. What do you think? I think that they both got really drunk. They both got escorted to the room. He probably somehow got hurt. They threw him off the board. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's probably the... the the safest measure of that, but but, but again, no. Way is the safest way, or what did you say? <laughs> safest is the easiest. Norm, wait, it's Occam's razor. Yeah, right. It's a, the the most basic explanation is the right one. Right. Yeah. See, I listen to you. Yeah, you do sometimes, All especially times. when you have <laughs> cans on your head and me with a microphone. 
but yeah, I, truthfully, I mean, especially with the the blood and stuff, that sounds like, yeah, that that sounds really like something obviously happened. And maybe he did start like, who the hell are you? Get off me. Where's my wife? And, you right. know, all of a sudden one thing leads to another alcohol, instant alcohol or instant asshole. Just add alcohol. Remember that? Yeah. You know, and and when you're in a different country, you think of the worst things. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, that to be honest, that probably is what happened. Yeah. But will we ever know? No. Probably not. I think none of these. Now, this one is strange to me. Oh, Okay. Real strange. So this is a uh, um, so Fariba Amani was a 47 year old Vancouver Canadian woman, and she vanished in February of 2012. And these are all like very like very closely in the same kind of time periods. Yeah. Um, she disappeared from the ship named Bahamas Celebration somewhere on the high seas between the Bahamas and Florida on February 29th. Right by March. Yeah. But a month away. Right. So the disappearance triggered an 84-hour, 10,000-square-mile Coast Guard search for Romani after her boyfriend, Ramiz Gorshani, who was 46 at the time, reported her missing to Celebration Cruise members shortly after it returned to port. Now, the police and the FBI boarded the ship and launched an investigation, yet not a single trace of the mother of two was ever found. At the time, Romani's family hinted that her boyfriend, Gorshani, whom he's the guy that reported her you know, missing, whom they had never met during his eight-month relationship with her, likely knows more than he's letting on. Okay. So, quote, I don't think this was an accident. She didn't drink. She couldn't have just stumbled and fallen off board, said her sister. Uh, and particularly in, uh, disturbing here, says the family, is that Golshani hasn't said anything. Like, her boyfriend is not saying a word to anyone about anything. Have you ever been... Convict, like, have you ever been accused of anything? No, I'm saying he's not saying anything to even the family legally, like at all. You would be advised to not talk about anything to anyone ever. So, so to the family of the person you were dating that no, was missing, I, you would not even go and talk to. I, I would. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so they're saying. Uh, quote, he has not reached out to us. He has not contacted us. This is her sister still talking. So all of them live near Vancouver, British Columbia, and she'd been suspicious of him ever since her sister told her the relationship was starting to sour and that she suspected that he was cheating on her. Oh, yeah, he did it. <laughs> Fuck him. Eh, right. Just teasing. I don't know who he is. I'm just going to listen. So Fariba Amani consulted a private detective, but later decided not to employ him because she feared what the boyfriend's reaction would be. Quote, she said her boyfriend was extremely controlling and needed to know every move, every minute of the day where she was. This is from a private investigator. Now, if if the parent or her family for what was it, eight, nine months never met the dude whatsoever, it sounds to me like he was very controlling. You know what I mean? They lived near each other? Yeah, not far at all. So her sister said the relationship had been falling apart. Quote, she was afraid he would be mad at her. Um, and... Then Golshani actually did tell the uh, Vancouver Sun that he was told uh, investigators, or he has told ev- uh, the investigators everything he knows, but it's just been quiet, okay? Not even talking to the family since returning to British uh, Columbia because of what an emotional time it has been for him. Okay. Quote, you don't know what happened to me over this last week, he said. This is when he was talking to uh, the Vancouver Sun. Uh, quote, I haven't slept for 10 hours in one week. 
Uh, let's see. Last week, at this time, we were sitting and watching a comedy show on the ship. Two hours after this, she was missing. I am missing a loved one. Both families love her. We want her safe back home right now. So now he's not a suspect, and the police and FBI would not comment other to say, you know, to say that the investigation was still ongoing. And when confronted at her door by the media, Golshani, the boyfriend's sister, said, quote, he doesn't know anything. He has gone through interviews with the FBI in the States, and they told him that he's free. He can go, and he doesn't know what happened. But Amani's sister um, said that she intended the uh, the cruise to be a final litmus test for the relationship. Like, I'm going to go on this cruise with him. Shit's not working out. Yeah. I'm when I come home, this is either gonna it's make or break, right? So quote, she would go on the cruise and see and see because maybe the relationship would get better afterwards. But if it wouldn't, then she would break up with him. That's what the sister is telling the reporters. So now Golshani, the boyfriend, told investigators that they'd been together after the celebration Bahamas left port in Freeport, Bahamas, taken off to Palm Beach. Remember we said they were going to Florida. He'd last seen her at the ship's gift shop before heading to the casino around 1 o'clock in the morning, and then he later went to bed by himself. When the ship reached the port of Palm Beach around 7 a.m., he says he woke up and began searching the ship for her. At around 8 a.m., he told the crew, and two searches, you know, took off, like they started searching, two different ones, as passengers began to disembark the ship with 1,100 passengers on this one. But obviously, they didn't find her. So customs officials confirmed she was on the ship when it left Freeport, um, you know, Bahamas, whatever, around 8 p.m. because every passenger must swipe a card to get on or off the boat. Right. That's what I was saying earlier. Right. But her whereabouts over the next 12 hours as the ship was just cruising uh, through the international waters, nobody knows anything about this. Huh. Okay. What are your thoughts on this one? Maybe she got kidnapped. It's possible. By I mean, somebody on the cruise ship. Maybe. Can you swipe more than one card at a time? Can you have like two? Like if I, if me and you were together or whatever, and I was like, oh, I have hers. Could you do that? No. So it's individually. Each person, I think, gets checked individually. Like you have to go through like, you know, detectors and they... They check you on the way out. It's just like customs to check you on the way out, check you on the way in. Okay. Well, then that means she was on the boat. And if that's the case, and she just disappeared. So I'm thinking somebody must have done something. Or the boyfriend. I don't know. I mean, they always say that it, you ha- if, if the authorities are saying that he's not a person of interest then he's not a person of interest. You know, whether he's a really good liar and a good bullshitter, but they always look directly at the um, the husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. The significant other is always the first person they look at. Okay, so you're talking about a 42-year-old woman, right? Yep. Who has two kids, who's in a relationship, eight-month relationship. Correct. Do you think that there's a possibility that maybe, I don't know, she was like, uh, I'm not really into this guy and telling well, her family like. Well, yeah, she was telling her sister that, this. that this was going to be like a, we're going to go on this cruise and see what it's all about. And if if it's, if I'm not, if I, if I come home not feeling it still, I'm ending it. Yeah. Women say that shit all the time. But maybe the reason that he left her at the gift shop is because they got into some sort of stupid fucking argument and he went back. Remember, he went to the casino and then went back to the cabin by the, by himself. 
Right. So maybe he was like, well, fuck you then. Right. Which you know? happens all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, people argue, especially if there's already tension there, though. Right. You know? So, so who knows? I, I don't know about that one. This one, I don't know. It I doesn't honestly, sound like she fell off board, though. Unless she was, I, I don't know. Could she have been distraught and like, I don't know, jumped off? I, I don't know why she got two kids at home, you know? Hmm. This so, is, yeah, not yeah, enough evidence. That one's weird, yeah. So now, this one is about a woman named Annette Meisner. She was 37 at the time of her disappearance, and she was from uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin. In December 2004, she was on a week-long vacation with her parents and teenage daughter on the Carnival Cruise, uh, the Carnival Pride. Meisner was last seen at 9.15 p.m. on December 4th, while the ship was 30 miles off the coast of Ensenada, Mexico, 120 miles south of San Diego, California. So the boat was taken off for Long Beach, California, and was scheduled to arrive the following day. So she disappeared, and they started looking for her around 10 p.m. There was no sign of her aboard the ship, although her purse was found next to a three-foot railing, three-foot railing on one of the lower decks at 11 p.m. Why would you have a three-foot railing? Yeah, that's stupid. On a lower deck. Yeah, that's so dumb. So dumb. Well, I, I believe most of that's changed now. There's no railings like that. Well, I guess they don't... Uh, I don't know. It's dumb. It's whatever. She went overboard. Okay. So, um, her loved ones stated that she would have avoided that deck as it, it was a smoking deck. She hated smoke. She despised everything about it and she was like i would not go there she met a dude who is a smoker well it's very possible so some of the beads on the purse were actually missing when it was found and the passenger who found the bag stated that a nearby security camera was actually covered up so somebody camera was covered correct like they threw something over it then dropped the purse and then ran away right this is what the uh the, the passenger who found it stated Okay. So now the authorities believe that she fell or was pushed overboard, but there were no witnesses at all. So now suicide is considered highly unlikely, although she filed for bankruptcy shortly before her disappearance. Mm. And her loved one stated that she was not depressed. An extensive uh, uh, ocean search um, revealed that there were no clues, anything. I mean, you go in the ocean. That's why it's a perfect plan. Yeah. All right. Stop saying it. I swear, this show, we always talk about like these perfect ways of like doing things like that. And one of these days, it's going to come back. You guys, are you're on your own. I'm telling you right now, hands off. All right? I'm out. Done. Hands off with what? Like giving people ideas. Oh, <laughs> oh so we're telling people how to do things. Right. We do it all the time. Uh... Yeah, we got to stop. So now she was, Meisner was declared legally dead in July of 2005. She has a daughter and a son and adopted two additional children shortly before she disappeared. Yeah, she, there's no suicide there. Right. She got murdered. She got a bachelor's degree in marketing from uh, a uh, uh, Upper Iowa University. And uh, she and her husband ran a business together. Oh, she's married. Yep. What kind of business? Uh, dietary supplements. Mm. Pyramid schemes. I mean, I don't know. It's a, I think it's a story. Uh, no, maybe it is. I'm just teasing. Now, her case does still remain unsolved. However, the family believes that, that obviously, there was foul play uh, involved. And in November 2005, her husband sued Carnival Cruise Lines for over $15,000 in damages. 
That doesn't seem like enough to even. I don't. Well, I guess there is no get an attorney. Funeral, but yeah, that doesn't. Does that like that that seems your so. Your attorney gets at least ten percent. Yeah, maybe they did. Maybe he filed for more, and then they were like, "Meh, you're asking for." 180 billion, I'll give you 15,000. <laughs> and he was like, I'll take it. Right. <laughs> I'm like, going to no. get something. Yeah, no. $15,000 for my wife disappearing? Get the fuck out of here. That is crazy. That's not you enough. That's not enough. That? No. $15,000, no. Okay. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that I would want that. I'm just. No, I, not wondering. at all. That that doesn't. And to me, that almost seems odd that they settled on on fifteen thousand. Well, the husband wasn't there. Correct. But was somebody else there that maybe the husband knew? And then he was a smoker, or she, or the person was like, "Yeah, hey, I'm a smoker. Come on over," because they knew the railings were low there. And right. then, no, I think honestly, she probably got lost walking around and went down there and probably slipped and probably fell over. Truthfully, I don't, I don't know, like. It doesn't, listen, it could have happened that way. I have no idea. Maybe the weather was bad. There was that whole. And who knows? Yeah, she may have been like you were talking about earlier Um, it, with uh, Amy Bradley. Like maybe it's possible that maybe she was sick. Maybe she She's got throwing sick. Up. She's throwing up and all of a sudden loses her footing. It's three foot. Three foot is like I mean, you could fall it's over that. It's very high for me. <laughs> That's over half of my body plus. But you could still fall over it, though. I don't you know what know. I mean? If you were to go like this and like you just lost your footing and your body like top heavy would fall over. I could see somebody being top heavy. Does she have a big chest? I don't. I, they're not going to give me that kind of information on here. This is before Facebook. <laughs> it was during. I didn't MySpace. stalk her to see. Yeah. Oh, no, I, you stalked. I wasn't. Me. I, I know, but I wasn't looking for that. So, yeah, I have no idea. That was another one where they're just like, and then the purse thing and then saying supposedly that the, the camera was being was covered up. That's kind of shady. Except anytime we've ever had to use our cameras. No, but it was like covered up. It wasn't like it just wasn't working. It was physically covered up. Somebody covered the camera. What was it covered with? Uh, I don't have the, the, the you know, say in there. like that could be covered up could be somebody actually physically putting something over it or it could be like something got in the way and it was covered. Like a dolphin. No, I was more thinking. Like, Does he call you at home? What Sorry. is going on? It's from Ace Ventura. Jesus. And everyone knows out there you have to take a drink now every time. Anyway. So, yeah, I have no idea. That's a thing you do? Oh, yeah. Anytime we reference a movie or a TV. Yeah. Oh. TV show. Yeah. Okay. They, they have to take a drink. So, anyway, we have no idea. And hopefully, again, they can find, you know, what's going on here. So, we got a couple more here. Uh, this is Marion Carver. And she was born in Massachusetts in Cambridge. And on April 3rd of 19, uh, 1964 is when she was born. Okay. So, she was a former banker who liked uh, writing and traveling. And her dad said she was an overachiever, was a sensitive person, and just loved to travel, and she was an adventurous person, okay? So she boarded a plane from Boston to Seattle, Washington on August 27th of 2004. She doesn't tell anyone where she's going, okay? What she's doing, nothing. She just packs her belongings and just heads out. She's gone. She, she got gone. a dude on the internet. Maybe. 
She didn't tell her family where she was going, uh, but uh, this is kind of who she was. She was just a very free-spirited person that just kind of like would up and go do shit like this. You know what I mean? So um, she decides to go on a cruise by herself. Uh, allegedly by herself. Like right. you said, she may, who knows? It's yeah. 2004, so. Too Right. So she boards the Royal Caribbean Celebrity Mercury cruise ship in Seattle bound for Alaska. The cruise, uh, the cruise ship she boards has 12 decks and a capacity of 2,000 passengers. And this wasn't the first time she was ever on a cruise ship either. She's taken multiple cruises before. Now, she was staying on the ninth floor, okay, with a panoramic deck view, which sounds amazing if it were on land. Um, and while she's on board, there's a huge party going on, okay? And this is the one when I said earlier, like, this is, like, the one that got me, like, it's fucked up or whatever. I, I was mistaken when I said the one prior. This is the one I'm like, holy shit. So, anyway, there's a party going on. And uh, there's parties pretty much every night on those damn ships. You know, everyone goes down there and there's music and dancing and drinking and all that. So, um, but she was alone and by, you know, by herself. So, she was very, like, guarded the whole time, which is smart. You're by yourself. You're a woman on a cruise ship. And she doesn't approach anyone on the ship or strike up conversation with anybody. Uh, but, you know, but some people do kind of try to come up and talk to her or whatever. And she's kind of, like, standoffish or whatever. So, she ends up going back to her cabin. Uh, to write in her journal, because remember, she likes to write. And, uh, and when the uh, the ship's steward, okay, you know, the guy that goes around giving the um, towels and, do you need anything today? Yes, ma'am, yes. You know, the ones that cater to you. Right. So he just walks in, okay, um, because she asked for towels earlier. So the doors for these cabins, they lock electronically, okay? And there's no safety latches or deadbolts to hold the door shut or anything like that. So, you know, like in some hotel rooms, you got that latch, the yeah. safety latch. So there's nothing like that. So if somebody has the key card, they just go ding, ding, and you can open it up and come come right in. Okay, so he did. Now, was he just doing his job? Maybe. Seems a little bit weird that he just kind of walked in. Anyway, um, so and it's also something that actually scared Marion. She was kind of afraid. Again, she's standoffish. She's by herself. She's just kind of there. You yeah. know what I mean? And of course, somebody just I walks in. You're like, what the fuck? You know? Right. So she spends the following uh, following day on the ship just riding and roaming around. And uh, her daughter actually tried to reach her uh, the night before, but she didn't have any cell reception. This is 2004. So um, she decides to stay in her room and just read a book um, because, you know, there's, again, another party going on. She's not really a big partier. You know, she's there to just kind of relax and unwind. And on the second day, um, it was Saturday, uh, between 8 uh, to 8.30 p.m., the steward walks into her room yet again. Remember, there's no fucking lock, and if you've got the key card, you can get right in. So there was a uh, a formal party going on, like a black tie affair, if you will. Well, for dinner. For dinner, right. That's That's what they do. Right, you dress up. Right. So now practically everyone on board was there. The steward apologized for entering her room just walking in, even though he's done it before, which is fucked up, and asked her if she was going to, down to the you know the black tie formal party or whatever, and she said she was not going to go down. So allegedly, she asked the steward if he could assist her in ordering some room service, where she ordered two sandwiches, not just one, but two. And a lot of people think that's weird. So is she ordering, is she, maybe she's just hungry, or is she ordering it for her and the steward? That seems odd though, or right? Or she's saving one for later? Very possible. Very possible. But a lot of people are like, that That doesn't seem right. 
So now she offers the steward a tip, but he says no, claiming that he must, you know, serve her. That's what he's there for. And that's how they are there for for the most part. They're very like catering and like too much to the point where you're like, dude, leave me the fuck alone. So she finishes her meal, places the dish on the floor outside the room and puts some money aside for the steward, which she will give him in the morning and then heads to bed. Even though he said no, she's like, no, I'm going to give him to him. You give him some money, whatever. So now the steward arrives the following day, takes the dishes that she left, sees that she's not in her room. Remember, this motherfucker just kind of walks in and has no contact with her at all that morning. So the cabin, um, the he searches the ship for her because he's, he's like, wait a minute, this is weird. She's not here. She doesn't go anywhere. You know, like this woman, this is all coming from the steward. She's kind of a hermit. She stays in her room or whatever, and she's not there. So he's kind of like, a, he claims that he's kind of like, oh, my, where is she? You know, so he wants to go look for her. So he goes and he's looking around, can't find her. And then he goes to the supervisor's office to inform her or inform them that, um, you know, that she's missing, which seems very presumptuous, mm. you know, but maybe he's just a, an attentive person. Like, Hey, I've been talking to this lady. We hung out. I helped her with, you know, ordering stuff. I don't think she would just disappear, right. you know, and like I've looked everywhere. So, so the supervisor calls the ship's stewards, um, all the stewards to his office and asks them to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Okay, NDA for you folks out there. And that's a legally binding contract that ensures confidentiality between two parties. In other words, if you're going to sign this and if you say shit, I can fucking sue you. So he makes them all sign one of these. Kind of weird. But if they're saying, listen, this woman is missing, he's probably like covering his ass like, oh shit, sign this now. Don't be running around telling everyone. Correct. Like, don't you're looking for a body when we're in hour one of we don't know what the fuck is going on. Correct. Like, shut the fuck up. Sign this. Shut up. Protocol. And it probably is. So now um, her father added that they have um, emails revealing the process of covering up her disappearance. And in the email, someone was asking. So they're not sure who was actually sending these emails. Like they know who. Um, certain uh, people receiving it were or maybe sending it, but not all the way back and forth because right. of emails. Uh, let's see. Uh, first of all, it says, did you check her, uh, check her onboard account? Did she make any purchases? This person or persons answered, no, there were no purchases. Um, can I have her CPAS data and photo, which they said they already sent, to know where they are looking for and when she got on the cruise? And three, have you checked the security cameras Security is looking into it, they said. So they know, and they're 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 trying to, I don't they're know. They're working on it. They're working on it. I don't really see a cover-up no, happening there. I don't see I just feel like wrong. they're trying to be on on point with this, you know. Right. So a week goes by since her, um, um, you know, said she has She's even talked gone. to her. Like, Nothing. Yeah, she hasn't talked to her daughter or anything like that. So she calls the, um, the father. Okay, her daughter calls the father. And informs him that um, she can't contact her mom. So the father, Ken, tries to call Marion, but nothing comes through. He rings her apartment landline phone, like back at home, but no one answers. They contacted Cambridge police and filed a missing persons report. The police go to Marion's residence to investigate, and when they arrive, they look for traces of a break-in. Nothing at all seemed out of line or unusual, so they took her laptop and some belongings to kind of, you know, to look through, yeah. They ask her neighbors whether they have seen or heard anything from her, but they are still waiting to find out where she is. I'm excited to find out where this twist of, like, holy shit is. Well, back on board the cruise, 
The claims operation manager and hotel operation managers meet with the supervisor, and the steward wants to approach the manager and explain what occurred. He wants to say something to them. The steward returns to the room to double-check everything. Nothing has changed whatsoever, and even the money's still there, right? So he informs his boss that Marion wasn't in her room, and for each day that Marion is gone, he goes back and tells the supervisor. And the supervisor just says, listen, just do your job. Don't worry about it. So he was going back over and over again like, okay, she's gone, dude. She still hasn't come back. Like, something's wrong. So the um, the steward even made her bed and also left, like, chocolates and flowers and all this stuff on her bed because obviously that's he... What they do. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what they do, but he also, like, so he was just doing his job, but in the meantime, he's also worried about this lady. So the private investigator stated that because she was on the ninth floor, she'd been on the deck and near the ship's edge if she took the elevator and went two floors up. And if you took the elevator from the ninth to the sixth floor, the first thing you'd see is the deck and the edge of the ship. And you might easily be pushed overboard or fall, especially if it's early in the morning when no one is awake and strolling around. Yeah, and if you walk into a lion's den, you could be eaten. Do they have lions on ships? I'm just saying, like, And if a frog had wings? (laughs) Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, what's the truth? Yeah. And if my uncle had a dick, it'd be my aunt. No, wait. My uncle, if my aunt had a dick, <laughs> your uncle. if my aunt had, moving on. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> if your aunt had a dick, it'd be my be uncle. uncle. There it is. <laughs> so three weeks after her disappearance, um, her parents beg the FBI to help, and they continue to call the uh, Cambridge police, but nothing happens. So police could access Marion's bank account and discover that she had purchased a ticket for an Alaskan cruise. Ken Carver contacts the cruise ship and inquires about Marion's whereabouts. Now, remember, nobody knew she was on this cruise ship. Other than the daughter and the family. The daughter is like, I haven't heard from mom. And maybe she didn't even tell the daughter where she was at. Hmm. Remember what we were saying earlier. So right now, this is the the dad going, okay, I've got to, we got to get a hold of her. So they're they're contacting out. her. But then they found out that she actually got on the cruise, right? She was, uh, And they said, yes, she was on the cruise, but they have no idea if she got off the cruise. And then they ask, is there any surveillance footage of Marion on the cruise? Okay. No, there is no um, uh, no video. It's been three weeks. It's been erased. Um, so this is what they, they're claiming. So Ken contacts the private investigator because the FBI and Cambridge police have no jurisdiction over the ship. So this private investigator arrives on the ship two months after Marion's disappearance and talks with the claims manager. Remember, they're the ones that were like trying to go, right. listen, this is what we're doing. Still, he also wanted to speak with the cabin attendant, okay, the steward, who was unavailable and on another ship. Now, it's been two months, so maybe yeah. they put him on it, whatever. He was also informed that the supervisor was unavailable. Um, quote, the only person you actually need to talk to is me because I have all the essential information. That's the guest claim representative said. Now, on while he was on the ship, Tim, the investigator here, discovers that the windows on Marion's floor, the ninth floor with the panoramic view, are latched and bolted, making it impossible to open the windows. So it's not like that's where she went out. Remember earlier they were talking right. about if you went to different floors, though, you could could lose your bearing and possibly fall, you know? So he asked about viewing the security cameras, and they also informed him that the footage is deleted every two weeks. So then Tim requests to speak with the security officer, but they refuse because they are training new employees. It's busy, Sorry. So then, Ken, this is the the dad, hired lawyers from Massachusetts and Florida in January of 2005. And after months of, you know, a lot of work. Yeah, he seems to be, yeah, Yeah, very fortuitous. Yeah. 
They then can obtain subpoenas for the cruise ship's crew, so they can actually talk to the crew now. Right. For some. Right. In a telephone dis- uh, deposition, the uh, the two cruise line stewards testify, and Ken finds that they were aware of her alleged abduction, but did not do anything about it. So remember the and one guy signed the, the non compete. Right. But remember the steward was going over to uh, telling his boss, like, listen, this lady is not returning. He's like, dude, shut the fuck up, do your job. Right. You know? So now it's coming out, well, like, wait a minute, this has been they knew about this for days, if not a week mm-hmm. or weeks, you know. So the steward who spent the most time with her recalls seeing her on the first day of the cruise and discovering she was uh, missing two days later. He reports it to his supervisor several times, and the supervisor again says, Do your job. The steward approaches the supervisor and asks, what shall I do with her belongings? Remember, all her stuff's still in her room. Put it in a bag and put it in a locker, the supervisor replied. So they just disposed of it all. Got rid of it. Like she wasn't even fucking there. Like put it in a locker, got rid of it? Or like... They put it in a bag and put it in a locker. And then... And then disposed of it. So the captain, staff, captain, hotel director have keys to all the rooms, right? And they can walk into anyone's cabin or anyone's space. Mm, I see where you're going. So the question that you can ask is... staff member did this? Who else may have had keys, though? Well, okay, so the guy that was cleaning her room and taking care of her and, you know, keeping an eye on her? Right. Maybe he told someone on the ship, like... Yeah, I got this lady. She's traveling by herself. This is so weird. He probably told the wrong person, and the wrong person was like, nobody will know if she's missing. It's very possible. So a second deposition is scheduled with the ship's manager of hotel operations. The manager stated that despite no one on the boat acknowledging Marion's disappearance, the cruise line company launched its own internal inquiry and fired the steward supervisor for failing to disclose her disappearance. Not the steward. Oh, not the steward, Super, the supervisor, the one he kept going to. Right. And the guy was like, just do yeah. your fucking job. Yeah, that's HR right there. Yeah. Their asses. You, yeah. So it began, uh, the investigation began at the end of September when a Cambridge investigator sure. contacted the, what? <laughs> Hold on. Sure. What? Shut up, Siri. What are you doing? <laughs> Why does she do that all the time? They're listening. They are listening. I hate Siri. I like Alexa much better. Oh, no. Nope. Nope. Don't do it. No, I should okay. do it. Okay, no, 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 no. They don't ever listen. Yeah, but I just don't want her talking right now. <laughs> I say, "Hey, Alexa, don't do, damn it!" And nothing happens she, ever. Right? No, See? literally, she doesn't do anything. No, she, she doesn't, doesn't do listen anything. To you. It's so funny. I mean, like, turn on the lights. Nothing. <laughs> turn on the lights. Nothing. She really doesn't. John listen John will to be you. like, "Hey, Alexa, turn on the lights," and then all of a sudden, all the lights turn on, and I'm like, mm, "Yeah, well." Because I have a commanding voice. You do. Kind of like Rob Ram. Woo! <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, again, so the guy got fired, and then they were going through and, um, you know, just basically talking to everybody, and no one on the ship supposedly ever reported a missing person, okay? So, like, no one on the staff right. ever reported. So, five weeks after her disappearance, the cruise line filed a missing person report with the FBI. Five weeks yeah, after they were like, fuck, we can't do anything. Yep. Is it? Still, the FBI couldn't investigate it because they have no authority over the cruise ship. And the cruise ship was an Alaskan cruise ship, but it wasn't. No, I do. Uh, did we? It was the Royal Caribbean. From where? 
It's from Mother Russia. I'm just teasing. It has vodka on every level. <laughs> oh, so nice. Um, let's see. Uh, actually, it doesn't say where it's, it's uh, registrations from on that one. Okay. But obviously, it's not the United States. So, yeah. Right. yeah so, they can't do shit is what they're saying. Canada. Hey. Oh, hey. Canada. No, Canada would be like, oh, no, we'll help you out there. <laughs> we'll do it for you. Whatever you need. Sorry. Is that what they do? Yeah. You want some poutine? God, I love poutine. Anyway, um, so they, uh, I'm going back. You made me skip all through this. Sorry, guys. Uh, Where the, oh my God, you screwed me all up. I'm sorry. You're fine. Uh, There it is. They couldn't investigate. Okay. So then Ken, okay, this is the father, whatever, uh, writes to the cruise line's chairman and board of directors expressing his need for answers and closure over what happened to his daughter. A month later, he received a copy of the security report, a report that was filed on September 30th and written by the manager of security, noted that company regulations had been violated and that the ship's captain, the security office, and the ship's captain, uh, and wait, and the ship's the security office and the ship's captain, and it says it twice, should have been notified when she vanished. Yeah, duh. Right. Yes, of course they should have. And according to the report, her possession should have stayed where they were. It's a missing person at that point. This is an open investigation. Yeah, this is 2004, though? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are probably not the brightest back then. <laughs> I, I did a lot of stupid shit in 2004. Okay, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> so um, so basically they're saying that like they, they didn't go, they didn't use protocol. They yeah, did, they didn't yeah. do what they should have done. So according to the report, the ship's security personnel must also protect the site and safeguard the integrity of the incident scene ensuring that nothing is moved or interfered with until outside investigators reach on board. But the problem is, is that when the steward was going to tell them, listen, this lady's missing, they were like, no, no, shut up. Don't worry about it. And it sounds like they're just dealing with a bunch of idiots. Right. It does. It, well, it sounds like, again, incompetence. Right. So now, um, so Ken Carver here, the, the, the father, went and kind of cleared her apartment. Okay. Like took everything out of it, donated a bunch of belongings to charity, and kept some personal stuff for the family. And he uh, continues to contact the Coast Guard, police, and FBI asking for updates. And in addition, his uh, lawyers, you know, pretty much are contacting him all the time. So he filed a lawsuit against the cruise line for being careless and negligent. The legal struggle became public in August of 2005, and the cruise line made a statement declaring that she was dead. Oh. However, this is... They told Ken that they checked the footage which they claimed had been removed since the start of the investigation. Remember, they said they deleted mm-hmm. it. So how are they checking it now? And after watching it, she jumped overboard. Oh. Right. So first, oh, well, we deleted that, and sorry. And now all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we watched it, and she totally jumped. Do they have proof that they can hand over? Well, a letter from the cruise line said, quote, Miss Carver had uh, severe emotional problems. It actually says serve. It's misspelled, which is hilarious. Uh, emotional problems and had attempted suicide before uh, before, and appears to have committed suicide on our ship. The death of Marion Carver is a horrible tragedy, but regrettable uh, there is very little a cruise line, a resort or hotel can do to prevent someone from committing suicide. Pretty weird that the cruise line could actually assess someone's mental prowess. And how did they know that she had committed or, or tried to commit suicide before? Well, that's got to be public. No. no, that's HIPAA shit. You cannot find anything like that. Okay, so if someone calls a police department... They can't tell you anything. What? No, but... 
Aren't 911 calls public? 911 calls? Well, yeah, I guess. Okay. If they went through. So you're trying to tell me that this ship. Who has a lot of money. But yet Disney wouldn't do that, though? Because earlier you contested that. Disney seems like they did that Disney one. Just because they did Lion King doesn't mean they're cool. I'm just saying it sounds like it's a bunch of younger employees who probably don't know processes of things on Disney. But they still have to, to have people that are in management and yeah, they do I, stuff. I get you know? that. I'm just saying, hypothetically, if you switch off of the Disney and go to this one, it seems like, I don't know. I could be wrong. I just don't see some cruise ship going to contact um, 911 reports from a woman that lives in what, Nebraska or whatever. What You know what I mean? Like Why? What why, do you mean, why? For what? You don't want to look into this person that is missing. They didn't look ship. into her being missing to begin with. Now all of a sudden they're going I'm to? I'm saying like once you find out like, oh shit, I'm getting sued here. There's no way they'd be able to know that. There's no way. And not only that, but how are you going to speculate on someone's emotional problems? I, I don't know. They could they could have talked to a couple different people that know him. And well, who knows? Oh, Ken, the guy you said you like here, Ken Carver. He stated that if it was suicide, he wanted evidence rather than simply writing it off as a suicide to close a case and hope the family would accept their conclusion. Okay. Which makes sense. Because remember, oh, that videotape, it was erased. But we watched it, and she totally jumped. Well, right. then show me the videotape. And, and if and if you if you did see that videotape, and if it was erased, you are now um, responsible, and you are um, holding uh, evidence. It's like ne- what is it called? Negligible? What, whatever? Whatever. Somebody like di- somebody died, and you didn't say anything about it. You watched someone die. Like that's criminal. That's cr- that's a criminal offense right there. Mm. How far away was this? Oh boy, I'm not going back through like this. Three months or something. <laughs> it, well, it was three weeks after the, uh, when they weeks. first reported her. But this is no, this is actually months after September. Yeah, and it was April third. De- December, I thought September. No, I think it was April third because I was also going to say like. Towards that March 20th. Well, regardless, it was after the so fact. So five months after. So a lot now of stuff going on. So now Ken continues on here and says that, that uh, there's an issue with the cruising industry because so many individuals have gone missing while on cruises and no one knows what happened to them. So he contacts for additional families and who have lost people on these, and together they form the International Cruise Victims.org. Remember that one oh, I read the yeah. uh, the widow's thing from? He's one of the people that actually got together with them and helped form this this company. He seems like he's pretty bright. He's pretty, yeah, he seems yeah. awesome. So whose mission is to penalize corporations that operate outside the law and fail to take necessary action when crimes occur. Now, in 2015, a decade after her disappearance, Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut and Senator Markey of Massachusetts introduced the Cruise Passenger Protection Act of 2015. As a result, mm. ensuring improvements that have uh, have been implemented and cruise lines are held accountable for reporting crimes and crime prevention on the seas. You know, you would think that just cruise lines would just have like a very light net around everything. So anything that falls off is just not even going to touch the water. Yeah, it should have. Absolutely. 
should have netting all around it. So right. just in case. Just yeah. in case. Just in and case. And not thick enough to the point where you wouldn't be able to see through it. Like a fishing net. <clears throat> yeah, but... Th- Even fishing net would be good, you know? Just thin enough to like, you know, I don't know, be able to catch... Yeah, 500 just, pounds. Just, if well, just people. Three people <laughs> fall off. Just people. Well, it's just, that's it, people. Yeah, have it sectioned off. All right, so again, they are still, they have no answers for that one. So now this one is extreme. It's a short one, but it's extremely sad in my opinion. So in the last days of the Vietnam War, Hugh Pham and his wife, Hugh Tran, spent two difficult weeks on a cramped container <laughs> ship. <laughs> what? His name is... Remember, their their names are reversed. So Hugh is actually their technically last. That's their surname. So like us is John and Grace Sayer. There is Fam and uh, Tran Hugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's it. Yeah. Okay. So, so they actually they spent two weeks um, uh, on a cramped shipping container. Okay, um, on a ship. Adrift with no food and little water in the South China Sea. This is right at the end of the Vietnam War. They were escaping. No, no, no. Yeah, they were escaping. Okay. The couple survived this desperate flight from Vietnam, but they strapped up their boots or strapped up their, you know what I'm saying. They tied their shoes and went on and uh, they built a new life in America. And then three decades later, they decided to take a cruise on a ship called the Carnival Destiny. Okay. There are a few facts about the couple's disappearance on the Destiny as it sailed between Barbados and Aruba on May 12th of 2005. After a fruitless onboard search, the ship joined by the U.S. Coast Guard eventually retraced its path, but unfortunately no trace of their bodies was ever found. The only thing left behind were their shoes lying on the deck. Go ahead. No. <laughs> what? No. I mean, uh, I, I'm just, don't they take off their shoes for a lot of things? Well, especially if you're going to commit suicide together. Oh, you think that's what it is? Well, their son uh, is Michael Pham. Uh, his name is actually son Michael Pham. Uh, maintained that his parents had no reason to take their own lives and were, in fact, they were planning on going back to Vietnam for a visit and were looking forward to meeting their relatives that they haven't right. seen. Yeah. So, quote, two American citizens with no personal or financial problems, no serious health problems, living the happiest times of their lives, both vanished without a trace or witness. Yeah, that's not suicide. That's what he, uh, the son said. So the cruise had been a Mother's Day gift for the couple, and they were on board the ship with their daughter and granddaughter. Uh, yeah, they actually had their daughter and granddaughter with them. Quote, I immediately flew down to California, went through their home and tried to find one clue, something unusual, and I couldn't. And their son says, uh, that's what he was saying at the time. Since then, with the help of other bereaved uh, families, son Michael, their son, helped establish a group called the International Cruise Victims. He's another one. Remember, he's the. I said the last guy, Ken, actually reached out to other families. Right. That, so, again, they're all kind of going together to make this. The daughter and the granddaughter were... On this cruise, yes, were they in the same room? I do not have that information in front of me. I don't believe so, from what I saw. And the shoes being on the deck, they, they literally, they again, they could have taken their shoes off. Yeah, they as, could have been sitting. They could have been sunbathing. They couldn't have been doing anything. Yeah, just hanging out. Right. And put their flip flops with their room number and name on the 
deck just in case anybody hops on the deck. You feel better? Deck and feel better about that? Feel better that you got that out? I mean, people do it, I guess. It's a thing. I've never heard of it before, but now that I know that it's a thing, I'm going to use this. You are not putting your anything on anything. Stop it right now. On your shoes, not mine. On mine. Thanks. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So any, no, nobody knows anything about this at all. There's no, I mean, when you talk about how the other ones have like some speculations and sightings and things like that, and we've got, well, you know, we found this and found this. The only thing they have are shoes. Are the shoes sitting on the deck. Hmm. Now, is it at all possible they were older? Is it possible that maybe one of them may have found out they had a, a, um, a disease, terminal a terminal, disease. yeah, like is it something? And they all, they both jumped off together. Little, I mean, that's stupid. They, it's not. How's it stupid? Stooping to, it's. I don't know. Their granddaughter. You have a granddaughter. But if from I find out that I have cancer, are you going to be like, you know what? Let's hop. But you've got to go. also remember that it's. Uh, to go out on your oh, own terms is a right. huge thing. That's yeah. a, it's a very big thing. Honor and respect and all that stuff. And to not have that. And not only that, but you survived Vietnam in a shipping container, came over, created a life for yourself, and then you decide to go onto a cruise ship. And and what? Just did the did the family look into if they had any medical problems? According to the son, he says no, they haven't seen anything or found anything like that. But again, out of respect for the family, they, the, the fam, so they're, those, t- uh, those families are very much, um, private, very private and prideful, right? you know? So maybe he's just saying like, no, it, it's done. I don't want to dive any further. You know what I mean? I don't know. There could be all kinds of stuff. It's okay, just, it's so weird. let's say that that's your choice A. A. What's your choice B? For what? This, this scenario. They fell over and uh, one of them took the other one with them on accident. Maybe they were like making sweet, passionate love on the balcony. That's why their shoes were off. She was hoisted up on the <laughs> Asian people are small though, I guess. Even if it was three feet. You're small. What are you talking about? That's why I said I wouldn't be able to go over it if I tried. But. I highly doubt that the older couple were banging it out on the deck of a cruise ship. Asian people are freaky. Do you think they were just getting it on, huh? They were just rough. And just missed footing and fell over, huh? Lost their shoes. I, I fucking hope that's what happened. That would be the I do. best. Case I do. I, I honestly hope that that's what happened. That they were banging it out. Every every one of these. And, this is the one I and, have the most hope for. Yeah, oh, it's still sad either way. All right, so I've got one more here, and this one's going to end on a pretty. Uh, it's kind of rough, but. So, uh, Christopher Caldwell disappeared from a Carnival cruise ship headed from Miami, Florida to Cozumel, Mexico. Is that You've been to Cozumel, right? I have. Yeah. In Beautiful. Ju- in July of 2004, Caldwell had gone on the cruise with his, uh, his, his wife. Okay. According to the letter written by Caldwell's family as posted on internationalcruisevictims.org, Caldwell and his fiance, or excuse me, it wasn't his wife. It's soon to be wife. Okay. Had dinner and drinks before she decided to turn in, and he decided to visit the casino. 
you know, he's going to do a little gambling. She's tired. It's cool. However, when the fiance, fiance, fiance. <laughs> I spelled fiance. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> so, so when the, um, his fiance, um, she woke up in the morning, she found that he hadn't come back. So he was last spotted on the ship's deck. The bartender who saw him said he seemed highly intoxicated and no one knows what happened next, though it is suspected that Caldwell fell overboard. So now this is a letter posted on that same website, internationalcruisevictims.org, and you guys can go on there and you can look at this, and there's some heart-wrenching stuff on there. But this one comes from Christopher's mother. So, quote, On July 23, 2004, I received a call that changed my life forever. My son, Christopher Paul Caldwell, had gone on a carnival cruise to Mexico with his fiance. On the last night of the cruise, Chris and his fiance went to dinner with some friends they had met on the cruise. They had drinks and went to a couple of nightclubs on the ship. When the couple and Chris's fiance went back to their cabins to pack and turn in for the night, Chris decided to stay in the casino and play a little longer. He told his fiance that he would be back in the cabin shortly. He never returned. The next day, when Chris's fiance woke up at 6.30 a.m., she realized that he had not been back to the cabin and proceeded to look for him. After checking all possible places where he might have been, she went to the information desk and had him paged. This effort was to no avail. Video surveillance cameras showed Chris leaving the casino at 2.17 a.m. Interviews with crew members revealed that a bartender saw Chris on the promenade on the promenade deck at 3.30 a.m. and claimed that Chris appeared to be very drunk. Instead of escorting him to his cabin, the bartender ignored his condition. Chris was never seen again, and to this day, we don't know what happened to him. Oh, he fell off. She goes on. It was just eight days before he celebrated his 37th birthday. It is presumed that Chris fell overboard about 14 miles southeast of the Cape Florida Lighthouse. The Coast Guard began an extensive search that lasted for more than 36 hours. During these searches, there was no sign of Chris. On the afternoon of the 24th, I received a call from my daughter, Shannon, informing me that the Coast Guard had called off the search and that Chris was presumed dead. Those words were like a bomb going off in my head. All I could do was scream and cry. That day, a part of my heart was destroyed and can never be replaced. I still look at his pictures pictures with his three girls, and I can't believe that he has really gone from us. If someone had just cared enough to take him to his room, or if there had been video surveillance cameras monitoring the, the deck where he had last been seen, maybe he would be here today. Perhaps we would have been forced to go through such... Uh, we wouldn't have been forced to go through such uh, intense grief... So many lives have been hurt by the loss of Chris. I am unable to even watch a Carnival Cruise advertisement on TV without crying. One thing is for sure, my son, Christopher Paul Caldwell, was not insignificant. He was a very special and fun-loving person. A great son and a wonderful dad to Jessica, Shelby, and Kaylee. We all miss him very much. It makes me very sad that this type of thing keeps happening to other families. It has to stop. End quote. From the mom. It's sad. It's so sad. I mean, but that truthfully sounds like he fell overboard. That this is the one. But but that that, that just means that there should be um And the last one. There should be there should be things there Yeah uh, to safeguard people. But okay, so you should be liable for how much you physically serve someone. 
we are. Legally, you cannot see signs and symptoms of someone being intoxicated. You're over-serving. And having that be legal. Yeah. So on a cruise line, you would think that that would be the case too. Well, the problem with the cruise line is, is that there's no way for them to get behind like a a, a vehicle. You know, what are they going to do? Well, well, other than fall off the fucking boat. Falling off a boat. But what are they going to do? Thing. You know, I mean, obviously it's a huge thing, but it's the only so thing. The bartender now, sees at three o'clock in the morning that this guy's intoxicated and we're all just going to like. But we don't know if there are um, laws instilled in that. We don't know if maybe that there bartender should be. Well, we don't know if there there is or is not. When I'm, what we're all we know is is that this bartender, and we don't know if this bartender was the one serving him or not. Because right. remember, there's multiple bars on these fucking things, so it's very possible that he just saw him and was like, "eh." But now, again, we don't know if you know. But somebody should be held liable for his condition. But on the other side of that, too, I am a firm you're believer. An adult. You're an adult, man. You know what I mean. You, you're going to make these decisions, and you're going to. If you decide to take yourself from zero to midnight real fast, that's on you. On that train. On the midnight train. I like it. That's a good one. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. That one, I do very much believe that he probably... A couple of them. Accidentally fell off. I mean, a couple of them are a little suspicious, but you know what? I, I appreciate going through all these scenarios because... I mean, I was just thinking best way to do it would be, well, at first I thought like stab, stab with a fork a couple times, like a little tiny puncture and then throw them off the side so that there was a blood trace, but not like a splatter. So they couldn't find it in the room. Why are you going to stab? What? Wait, the fork. Well, say that stab again. with a fork. Okay. Right. Now, if you were to actually stab them with something more significant where, like, the gases inside the body don't actually expand and then float to the top, then they're going to just go down anyway. Yeah, but by that time, sharks will get you. Well, not necessarily. If you stab them with a fork. <laughs> Tell that joke about the stabbing with the fork. No. <sighs> really? I don't know if I've told it on here before. I, I may or may not. Okay. I love this. All right. So. Story. So three guys. <laughs> they get stranded on a deserted island, but it's, uh, you know. It's uh, got a bunch of cannibals on it. So it's an island that's, so it's not deserted, I guess. But uh, <laughs> so it's an island of cannibals. Yes. And so, you know, they're sitting there and they're, uh, you know, the cannibals go up and they go, listen, we're going to kill you and then we're going to skin you and then we're going to turn your skin and in, in, into our canoes. You know, we're going to put it on the outside. Yes. So, but, however, because we are honorable, we will allow you to choose the way you die first guy's like oh man i don't know um 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 gun guns quick guns fast right right so they go over and i don't know why cannibals have a gun but anyway they they go over and bang he falls down dead they take his body away he's gonna be turned into a canoe second guy's sitting there just distraught like oh man uh um a knife Uh, a knife i'll take a knife so they hand him a knife and he takes it and he slices his own throat falls down dead they haul him away i'm gonna turn him into a canoe last guy sits around for a second just see him kind of thinking he's like i want a fork they're like a fork okay but they're cannibals so they're like cool it's just quick eating you know so they hand him the fork or whatever and he starts stabbing his own chest he's like you're not making a fucking canoe out of me 
You do love that joke. You've had me tell that joke like a million times. It's It's, so funny. I think that's one of the only ones that I have that I'm like, please tell the tell the fork joke. That's kind of sad that that's. I'm I'm sorry. So so sad about that. Yes. So anyway, anyway, I think that that one out of all of them, that's the one that leads me kind of going, okay. I think that he drank way too much. Someone should have done something. But, but so, I mean, I'm going to make this quick, but how funny is it that if you think of switching the roles around and making it the, like a woman, you would think differently on what happened. Why? Why? Why would you say that? Like you see a girl that's really drunk. Then all of a sudden they don't go back to their room Oh, you think like something bad's going to happen? Instantly, you would be like, oh, some motherfucker took her. They probably took her to the room. They like lured her in. They did all these things. But if it's a guy, you're like, yeah, you got drunk and fell off the, you know, boat. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I guess. If you were to switch this story around, more than likely the majority of us would be like, you're just immediately thinking that something's uh, happened to the. To, to the woman that's going to be and way, not a man so way how more funny nefarious, is that yeah. like you think like well, any, any of these stories you talk about women and you're like oh they got adopted abducted I said is. that horribly <laughs> wrong I'm sorry there you go that's that wine kicking in <laughs> woo but the couple I'm like oh they made love and fell off the side and then when you talk about the man <laughs> which I like, do love that's still my favorite I don't a, think that's what happened <laughs> I know but you but think I do I I hope that's what happened right I do but you talk about a man and you're like well he got drunk and fell off because he's an idiot yeah. isn't we, funny we how are you, we're not calling how, the victim an idiot by the way we're no, saying no, no, men no. in general are we're, we're dummies no <laughs> not dummies we, we are yeah we some. are I just say well, it's like the other one earlier. You were talking about the guy. We you, th- you were speculating, postulating, but that he was drunk. They were taking him back, and he got all God. What are you guys doing? You know right. what I mean? Now isn't, we don't know if that's what happened that or not. Horrible, that but it, that's the way. Yeah, but I mean, your mind goes. It's to. just kind of. And is it, you're sexist. I I don't. <laughs> you said. Grace, if you're going to be on this with me, no judging anyone. Yeah, well, and I just judged every you, you, single pretty one. Pretty much everything, yeah. You cannot put me into these scenarios <laughs> and have me not judge Judging McJudgerton. What am I, I going to do? Just sit there and be like, hmm, yeah, I think they might have had some alcoholic beverages and they probably didn't do anything stupid because not that they're a man and they would do anything stupid. Now you're being sarcastic and judgy. No, no. Um, women do stupid things when they're drunk too. Oh, I know. Maybe he got abducted. Maybe. Maybe someone. And it's took listen. Him? It's very. But again, no. This is uh, in all of the the ones that we went through, and there are so many more. These were like the most notable ones, and I just wanted to touch on them. And uh, but they're. It's just this one. It's like it almost looks completely cut and dry to me, but yet they're still like the mom's like something happened. But even she said. If if that bartender saw him that drunk, you know, but then again, it, it also, what is that drunk though? You know, like if yeah. someone says, oh, he was extremely intoxicated. Does that mean, was he stumbling and throwing up all over the place? Or was he just kind of like a little tipsy and, you know, he was into, you know what I mean? Like, you never know. Right. And that's the problem. So regardless if these and the plethora of other disappearances were accidents, suicides, or something far 
more nefarious. I've said that word like a million times a day. It's my word for today. Is it one a day? <laughs> well, yeah. So anyway, people are still missing. Okay. Loved it's ones. Very right? sad. Their families and loved ones yearn for closure or even a minutia of information to, to support that they're alive and well. If you or someone you know has information about a missing person, please get in touch with your local authorities. In most cases, you can still you know, remain anonymous. As for me, uh-uh. I will not ever be on another cruise ship. Yes, you will. And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top 10 movies will make the cut today? All right, so today in the movies, we're talking about the top horror movies about cruise ships. Hmm. Yes. Oh, I I think I've only seen one cruise ship horror movie. It's actually best of ship horror movies. So not necessarily just cruise ships, but it's it's ships. Okay. Ships are involved. Let's hear. So number 10 from 1989, and this is from IMDb, the IMDb. You know how that is. We like that one because it's got all the stars and stuff on there. So this is The Abyss from 1989. You were six when this movie came out. I yeah. love this movie. Yeah, there's no... I, I don't watch movies, so I think, like, legit... Well, you weren't allowed to watch I've, movies. No, I've only seen two, Titanic being one. Well, we'll see if it's on here. Go ahead. I, I doubt it, but we'll see. I mean, it's not a horror movie. I, mean, I don't know. A lot of people died. What's the one movie where they had the wire... It cut everyone in half, and uh, then that cruise ship was like. Is that Die Hard? <laughs> I know that happened in, in Die Hard. No. Three was it? Die no, Hard Three with it the was a movie. that happened in that. I, I'm not sure which one you're exactly talking about. Like where people trying to find treasure for a ship, and then I don't. And know. And it cut them in half. Well, I don't no, know. Let's no, see if no. we'll talk about it. Okay. So this is the Abyss. Love this movie. Uh, it's a James Cameron movie. Uh, Ed Harris, Mary Elizabeth, Master and Master Antonio, uh, Michael Bean, and uh, Leo Burmeister. Uh, let's see, grossed fifty four point four six million dollars. A civilian diving team is enlisted to search for a lost nuclear submarine and faces danger while encountering an alien aquatic species. Mm. It's actually a great movie. Seriously, like I honestly think you would like that. It's not really a horror movie at all. I don't know why they call it that. Because this next one is most definitely not a horror movie. Um, number nine from 2003, Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> The Curse of the Black Pearl. Mm, I'm You've probably seen this probably one. Probably saw that one. I'm not a big Johnny Depp fan. I know. I mean, I, am. I, I like, like Johnny him Depp. as a person, just not in movies. As a person, you and him hang out a lot. I would. Calm yourself. No, I was going to say I would love for us yeah, yeah, to hang yeah, out with yeah, him. Yeah, that's what I you were going to say. we yeah. would have a great time with him. He just sings rather weird, you know. Nah, I, yeah. It's the way he always talks. It's just very weird all the time. I, I think it's cool. It's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, stars Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom, and Kira Knightley. It grossed $305.41 million hairs, 8.1 stars. And, okay, I'm not even going to read this. You guys know what the fuck that one is. Uh, number eight is 1997's Anaconda. My Anaconda don't want none <laughs> that you got. Uh, huh? Yeah, uh, if I'm not, is this the, yeah, this is. Uh, John Voight, Jennifer Lopez, Eric Stoltz, and Ice Cube. That's right. Yay, yay. I've, I've never, what is this movie about? It's about an anaconda. Big. Big, big snake. snake. Big snake. Yes. On a cruise ship? 
Uh, no, they're just on a, it's not even really, a, it's like a pontoon I think they're on or something like that. Yeah, I think this is just, I don't know, this is a weird list. You've, have you seen it. this movie? You hate snakes. Oh, yeah. You've seen it? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Did you, like, were you sweating the whole time? Pretty much. Well, I, and it's on a boat with oh, snakes. you don't like boats. So, fuck me twice. Yeah, that's just horrible. Why would you put yourself through that? Because why would they're you horror movies. Watch that's, it? that's why you watch stuff like that, because you want to get that, like, you know, you want to be scared, you know? feeling in your yeah. stomach, like... Run. <laughs> Run. Dum, doo, doom. So a National Geographic film crew is taken hostage by an insane hunter who forces them along on his quest to capture the world's largest and deadliest snake. It grows 65.89 million doll hairs. Okay. Uh, I love how <laughs> these are so funny. Uh, number seven's Deep Blue Sea nope. from 1999. No? No. It stars Thomas Jane, Saffron Burroughs, uh, Jacqueline McKenzie and the one and only Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. Searching for a cure to uh, wait, searching for a cure to Alzheimer's disease. That seems oddly worded, right? Anyway, a group of scientists on an isolated research facility become the prey as a trio of intelligent sharks fight back. So basically, the premise of this one is is that so sharks have this ability, like to um, I guess kind of like replicate, not replicate. They're, they're, um, they have cells, and this is an actual true thing, where their cells actually will replicate and kind of like um, cure uh, other damaged cells, like in their brain and stuff like that. Right. So in this, the whole premise is, well, we're going to make them really smart because then it'll help replicate even faster, except mm-hmm. smart sharks are fucking smart sharks. I, I don't like sharks. No. About no. as much as you don't like snakes. No, they're pretty much just the snakes of the sea. I agree. Mm-hmm. Ooh, water like snakes them. are yeah. horrible. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't mind snakes other than water snakes. I don't, I don't like water snakes. I don't like snakes at all. Um, number six is Piranha 3D from 2010. <laughs> Gross $25 million. It says Elizabeth Shue. What? Jerry O'Connell, Richard Dreyfus, and Ving Rhames. What? That's like an all-star cast. I've never seen it. Obviously, I haven't either. Really? After a sudden underwater tremor sets free scores of the sets free scores of the prehistoric man-eating fish, an unlikely group of strangers must band together to stop themselves from becoming fish food for the area's new razor-toothed residents. Okay, never heard of that. Well, it's a comedy. It's a horror comedy. But yeah, I, I'm gonna have to watch that. That sounds fun. Sounds amazing. <laughs> That's sarcasm. Number five, 1999, Virus. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Sutherland, William Baldwin, and Joanna Pacula. Pacula. Uh, grossed $14.04 million. Um, after outrunning a typhoon at sea, a strong-willed tugboat navigator and her crew discover a high-tech alien life form that's taking control of a Russian research vessel and aims to destroy on a massive scale. Seems like a lot going on. I, th- I feel like I wish they would win. <laughs> Just stop making movies like that. No, no, like to take over a Russian vessel. Uh, vessel. Um, number four is the original from 1954, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, Richard Carlson, Julie Adams, Richard Denning, and Antonio Moreno grossed $1.3 million. I'm assuming that's probably box office back then because after that, well, I don't know. Anyway, 6.9 stars, a strange prehistoric beast lurks in the depths of the Amazonian jungle. A group of scientists try to capture the animal and bring it back to civilization for study. 
And you, have you seen any? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Number three, it's just called Bolo from 2002. Mm-hmm. And let's see, it's grossed $0.61 million, so $610,000. Not good. Uh, Bruce Greenwood, David Crow, Matthew Davis, Holt McCallnett, whatever his name is. And all it says is for the uh, <laughs> description, strange happenings occur on a World War II submarine. That's all it says. There, That could be vast amount of things. Yeah. Could be weird. Yeah. It could be like naked twister. Oh. Yeah. Could be. Have you? No. Have I? I'm not going to ask you that question. That'd be weird. Yeah. What? Ew. Anyway, number two, (laughs) 2002's Ghost Ship. I wasn't a fan of this. I know a lot of people like this this, movie. Is this the movie I'm talking about, Ghost Ship? I think it is. Maybe. It's uh, a salvage crew discovers a long-lost 1962 passenger ship floating lifeless in a remote region of the Bering Sea and soon notices that its long-dead inhabitants may still be I think this on is what board. I've seen. Right. I think it's what I've seen. Maybe. In the beginning, it had... I don't remember. Oh, some type of wire that went across and just... Maybe. Cut everyone Might be. In if you if you guys then, think that if you guys know that she's talking about this movie or if it's another movie that she's talking about, let us know. Hit the socials. Tell I, us. I don't watch a lot of movies, so I would assume that this would probably be the one. It might be, but you know what? Number one's it. Number one's Titanic. <laughs> number one. Uh, negative Ghost Rider. Because oh, it's not horror. This is. Yes, Jaws. Absolutely. Good job. See? Love this movie. 1975. The original. All right. When a killer shark unleashes chaos on a beach community off Cape Cod, it's up to a local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer to hunt the beast down. Made $260 million. Whoa. Back Roy in the day. Yeah. It's like billions now. Uh, Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, and Lorraine Gary. Yeah, that's a that's a great movie. Jaws, the original Jaws is fantastic. It still holds up to this day. It absolutely holds up. I mean, obviously the the shark looks like shit, but it actually it's a, to me it holds up. It's a good movie. The rest of them all sucked, but anyway. So that was your episode for the week, passengers. I do apologize for not being on a weekly uh, uh, release schedule here lately, but things have been crazy and it's just a lot going on. But uh, yeah. I want to thank you very much for listening. All the new passengers jumping on board, especially onto the socials with our, uh, you know, the Facebook pages and 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 all the above. I want to thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. Do me a favor, head on over to the official website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com for all the info on the show. And at the website, you can buy some super sweet merchandise. And, uh, you know, we got the Duke of Fingerbum shirt. We got the, uh, the, the, the shit-eating robots the Jersey raccoon that has a switchblade. There are all kinds of cool shirts over there. And hats, phone cases, so much more. You know, so you should do that. And if you like what you heard from us, consider being a show producer by heading to themidnighttrainpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button. Or go to patreon.com forward slash themidnighttrainpodcast. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get all kinds of cool stuff like the, you know, custom shirts, posters, stickers, bonus episodes, all kinds of bonus episodes. And that's where it's at anyway. The bonus episodes are where it's Absolutely. at. Absolutely. That's where you can kind of loosen up and yeah. not yeah. be PG. Got no strength to hold me down. Right? 
No, I'm sorry. So if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan and you want to help produce this mofo, well, our Patreon is for you. Become a first-class passenger. Most importantly, share the Midnight Train with everyone because word of mouth is how we are just going to continue to keep going and keep this train moving down the uh, the line. You know what I mean? I hear the train coming, coming around the bend. Sorry. That is the one and only karaoke song you've ever done. Correct. That is literally the only yeah. one yes, I've ever and done. you did amazing. Well, thank you. You have been lots of alcohol was involved <laughs> with that one. It was, it, it we were we were bar hopping pretty hard. Yeah, it, you did good. Yeah, it was it was fun. I won't ever do it again. But yeah, it was fun. You might do it again. Nope, I won't do it know. again. Billy's nope. getting married nope. soon. Nope. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. Karaoke. We are uh, no. Don't you use that against me. Kevin no. Jennings mm-hmm. might get you to do it. Oh, Jenny! <laughs> <laughs> Come on, just a toothful. Yeah, just a toothful. Yeah. He he pulls on your heartstrings. Damn it. So listen, uh, here at the show, at the, the Midnight Train, we do believe in focusing on mental health and for those of us with issues to be able to find the right help. So we're back to supporting a fantastic organization, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. NAMI, N-A-M-I, works to educate, support, advocate, listen, and lead to imp- uh, improving the lives of people with mental illness and their loved ones. We will donate 20% of our merchandise sales and Patreon subscriptions to this extraordinary institution each month, all right? So 20% of what you guys are throwing, we're going to send to them to support the show, get all the bonuses, and uh, help a great cause. Become a first-class passenger over at Patreon. And for more information, to get help or to donate personally, go to nami.org. Don't forget to follow it. Go ahead. You're going to say something? No. Oh, you, <laughs> you sat up there like you were going to say something. I was just stretching uh. my back a little. Don't forget to follow us over on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, please rate us. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate us on Google. Anywhere you can rate us, please do that because that's how, you know, you get new listeners and people kind of do this, the thing. So, And we can't thank you all enough for all the love and support. Um, you guys are awesome. That's all I can say. And thank you so much for listening. And, but a very special thank you to our fearless executive producer, Patreon First Class Passenger Poopers. Sorry, I still have to do it. That went so loud, I swear. <laughs> to Jenny Wynn, Riley with no last name, Chris Connors, Amanda C., Micah Purdue, Dale Wells, George DeJesus, Megan McTerry, Amanda Denz, Chris Lucas, Joseph Oramo, Nathan Diekman, Caitlin McKenney, Maggie Brothers, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunzelman, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Janet Sherrill, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Christina Skelton from the Sisters Skelton Podcast, Maria Gibbs, Chainsaw. What the fuck? Courtney Bachelor, Katie Brabinek, and of course, ah oh boy, Bill Birch. Billy no. Birch. So normally, he gets a, oh, good for you. Do you want to attempt it? You, you want me to say, oh, Good for you. Correct, but you got to say it with more like emphasis, like, like a, oh, good for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Billy. <laughs> oh, Billy. Good I will for you. Not do that. <laughs> ah. Oh, good oh, for you. Billy. Good for you. <laughs> and that's good. Okay. 
So listen, do us a favor, spread the word. And if you want your name to be mentioned on the show and for us to be forever grateful, please become a Patreon producer, a first class passenger. And yeah, that's the show for today. Thank you so much, Grace, for being here with me. Thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate it. I didn't offend anyone. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's remained to be seen, I guess. You know, I'm sure someone will let me know. If I did, please comment on it. No. I would love to see all remarks. You, you did you did splendidly. Okay, thank you. So now we are off. Bye, guys. And then we're off again and off and off again. Yes. So thank you guys so much. Seriously, you guys are the greatest. And, of course, stay safe out there, passengers. And as always, choo-choo, motherfuckers! Now go home and get your fucking shine box.